Okay, so we've done a number of episodes, deserving listeners, about Dungeons & Dragons therapy with Adam Johns and Adam Davis on the podcast before. Welcome back to the podcast, Adams. Thanks, yeah, Kurt. Thanks, thanks so much for having us. As some of you know, I am board president of a nonprofit called Game to Grow, which promotes the use of Dungeons & Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games, and really games of all sorts, for therapeutic purposes and also for help with uh, communities, building communities. That's our big uh, mission is to use games uh, to, to benefit society and people and communities and families and kids and schools. And nice. it's, it's a, a massively untapped resource, as evidenced by the fact that you, Adam and Adam, have – kids and young adults who are dying to go to therapy and would love to go uh, maybe all day long. In fact, today you just came from a camp in which you essentially had kids in therapy and sort of therapeutic uh, uh, skills developing Dungeons and Dragons groups all day long. Uh, So you basically had six hours and they were dying to go to therapy. So the fact that uh, that happens, which makes sense, is uh, and the fact that it's almost never utilized and how many kids are being dragged to therapy and they're just like I don't want to go right. to skills developing I don't want to go to skills training or or social skills training groups I don't want to do social skills training and then the opposite happens I I want to play Dungeons and Dragons with Adam and Adam all the time. <laughs> but it's concerning to me that they think they need to literally die in order to make it to the sessions. Ah, did I say That's, that? You said they're dying. They're yeah. dying. Yeah. Well, you it's know, horrible. it's horrible. Uh, it's you know sacrifices. Or are they dying in the game? Like, no, I, it was not very much actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> not a lot of dying. There's not, not a lot, lot of dying. dying. A lot of winning. There's a lot of winning. Okay. So we've done podcasts about this before, but to uh, I, recently uh, with Michael Drain from the Unpopular culture podcast i uh decided to show him what dungeons dragons were like and we played dungeons dragons for a little bit fine and he uh during and afterwards told me he had no idea that dungeons dragons was the way that it was he thought it was like a board game he (laughs) thought it was like something very mechanical he didn't realize it was like completely open-ended in terms of like what you do and what you say and where you go and all that kind of stuff. He was probably not used to the controller, like different control scheme or something. <laughs> right. He's used to he's used to PS4 and yeah, yeah. Xbox controls. <laughs> so I thought we would have Adam and Adam on the podcast, and we, the four of us, would demonstrate what an actual Dungeons and Dragons session would look like. Whoa! So that the people out there who like Dungeons and Dragons could actually like get a little kick out of that. And people who don't know can actually learn exactly what it looks like. And I think once you, for those that have played before or haven't, I think it'll become clear how Dungeons and Dragons, with experts at the helm, can use this activity very effectively for a lot of therapeutic uses. So, what do you say, guys? Let's ready to roll some dice. Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! Let's roll some dice. We we thought we'd actually take it a little step further, and we 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 will show you a little behind the screen oh. uh, as Ooh. we're as we're going through just a little of what the the sort of therapeutic process is. Nice. Uh, what goes through your mind? The yeah, decisions exactly. you make. Maybe why I, why I set it up this way, or or things like that. But, I'll, I'll promise not to spoil anything for you. Yeah. Sure. By the way, this is like a reunion. Because I hadn't been with the Adams in Adam knows how long. <laughs> like, it's been a it's, long time. It's been a really it was long time. Yeah. like 2011. It's the summer of 69. Yeah. It was the summer of 69. Got my yeah. first 
real six string. Yeah, that's what. That's right. That's the summer you got that. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> so this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda. I fit shoes for ogres. I'm Adam Davis, executive director and therapeutic game master of Game to Grow. And I'm Adam Johns, also executive director and therapeutic game master of Game to Grow. And there are three graduates from Antioch University in this room. One of these people isn't like the other. (laughs) All right. So we have our – so you have given us characters, sheets. I've given you some character sheets. And we have decided in advance our backstory. That's right. So uh, I decided to play the cleric, and he's a dwarf. So if if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, think of Gimli, the the dwarf. Or if you've seen The Hobbit, you have the the twelve hob, uh, the twelve dwarves that um, accompany the Hobbit, uh, uh, Frodo. I mean uh, Bilbo, and 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 Berto, Your character is Rollo the Cruel. Oh, yeah, he's a half orc. Like a beast, beastly character, but he's conflicted because he's he's on this quest to find his orc father, and he hates him, but wants to really find him. Right. So you're a half orc. Yeah. So you're like me. You're like half Japanese, half Asian. <laughs> Just like you, exactly. But you're <laughs> but you're half uh, orc, half half human. Half human. That's right. So orcs are the bad guys in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They're the they're kind of they have like big teeth and they're more sort of uh, mean. They're like Klingons. They're warrior people. Yeah. I Actually, uh, Klingons, I think, is a really good uh, par- comparison because you, you watch, like, The Next Generation mm-hmm. and then the Klingons are, are kind of good guys a little bit. And, yeah, and you, they can. Right, getting, right. Getting them, but, but they can, they're often portrayed as the bad guys in, in the right. other parts of the series. Orcs yeah. are kind of the same way. Yeah. So, Adam, what's your character? Uh, my character is going to be introduced a little bit later, but okay. he's a tiefling. Oh. Which is sort of a, a devil-looking creature with sort of mm. uh, reddish orange skin and two big horns, um, and his name is Shush. Are they half demon, or are they just of the it's demon plane? Complicated ancestry. Yeah. People aren't quite sure the origins of tieflings. Okay. It could have been magical dalliances. It could have been an uh, an an opportunity for the gods to intervene in the material plane. Nobody's, oh. nobody's really sure. Uh, Adam's serious. An enigma. A lot, of, a, lot of mis- a lot of mystery. I'm a question wrapped inside enigma. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, the way you described it, Kirk, um, about it being sort of Lord of the Rings-esque is a really good way to think about D&D. Okay. Um, uh, Dungeons & Dragons is really all about sort of this Lord of the Rings kind of world. There's magic. There's mystery. Uh, it's mostly sort of medieval weaponry and, and medieval um, stuff, but with this added piece that there are uh, or- orcs and spells and and uh, a sort of a, a wide pantheon of many different gods who very directly influence and and impact the world itself so there's a lot of there's right. a lot of sort of pieces that very right. hearken to uh, lord of the rings and it's played similar to lord of the rings on a planet that isn't ours you know it's not like early world history right. it, it doesn't correspond with it's not hercules in new york right Right. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's no uh, timeline. We can't point to it and go. This is the 1400s, or, or this is Spain, or something. Right. It's, it's just like a, it's a it's analogous to our world, but definitely not the same. And it's more magical than Lord of the Rings. Meaning, sorry, the magic is more explicit. Mm-hmm. Like there's fire walls and things like that, rather than 
influence. Yeah, I mean, in Lord of the Rings, uh, Gandalf, you know, has to put a lot of effort in just to like make a little light appear at the top of his staff and stuff like right. that. Um, and uh, Kirk, you're playing a cleric; you can do that at like a snap of your fingers. You can, you're, you're, you're right. super good at that kind of thing. So uh, there's a lot of pieces of this. Magic is much more prevalent in this than than right. it is in in the movies. Right. Um, so we're going to set up a few things, and uh, like like. Um, Lord of the Rings, this is going to be a, a brand new, totally different world. This is also a different world from um, the Dungeons & Dragons normal world. There's a lot of like um, uh, IP from Wizards of the Coast for Dungeons & Dragons. We're actually going to be doing like a custom little thing, which is how we play our games. We make all custom worlds, and mm. uh, we, we want to immerse the players in a part of that. Um, so I'm going to have your help in crafting a little bit of, of this world as well. Okay. I'll, I'll kind of ask for those moments. Sweet. We're going to start things off, and uh, Kirk, uh, what, what's your character's name again? Thrain. Thrain. All right, I'm going to write this down so I can keep track. Okay. I'm um, using a Lord of the Rings that reference. spelled with a G? No, Thrain. Um, and then, Umberto, what's, what's your character? Grollo the Cruel. G-R-O-L-L-O-T-H-E. <laughs> do, I, yeah, do I have to use the full title every time, every uh, time I adjust? No, no. Grollo for short. GTC. Uh, yeah. Um, a GTC. <laughs> so, um, Thrain and Grolo, uh, you have heard tell uh, that there is a town that is uh, nearby to where you are that is paying a hefty sum of money uh, for a problem that they're having. And this town is right on the side of a sound. It's actually quite a lot like mm. like Seattle. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a large kind of lake area, but it feeds out into the ocean, uh, and it does a ton of trade in, in that area. Uh, we're actually going to name the town together oh, okay. uh, and come up with a few little details about the town. Um, uh, Kirk, this town has a, a first letter. Um, what is the first letter of this town? Uh, T. Mm. Awesome. I'm going to write this down on this whiteboard here. Okay. Oh, that's a fun little whiteboard. Yeah. Um, Umberto, what's the, what's the next letter? X. No. Uh, o. R. I'm going to add an A. X. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the name of this town. Torax. Guys, yeah, the, this is the town of Torax. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often considered the central uh, part of this, um, oh. you know, really connects all the kind of branches so maybe it's of, little... of the many pieces, the town of Torax. So just um, meta-talking, if you were to do this with kids who struggle with social skills, that's a good introduction, I'm guessing, to collaboration, and everyone gets a chance to contribute, Very, but it's fairly low pressure, and that all you had to do was offer a letter. There's right. so many right answers when you're doing this. Yeah. There's, there's no wrong answer. There's right. a lot of right answers. It could be all consonants. There, yes, and then, and then it's also an opportunity to create an interesting world based on their suggestions. Right. So there's a lot of opportunities. A lot of the kids that are in our groups are socially isolated. They don't have a lot of experience working with other people in a collaborative setting at all. If anything, it's like a group project at school, right. um, which is not always collaborative or, or enriching in a lot of ways. Or, or productive. <laughs> right, right. So it, we, when we make up something like this, this city, we all have contributed to it, this town of Torax. And we all have sort of an, uh, an imagination that we have we've worked together to build this. And sometimes, like, this, naming this, we can also create the culture for this town. Right. And that's actually what we're going to do here, too, um, which is that we're going to um, ask a few questions about this town. So this town of Torax, aside from being uh, on the sound and kind of on the water here, um, it is. It also has a few things that you have heard about it. Even if you've never been to this town, you've heard some things about it. Um, okay. Berto, what, what is a, like a, a fun, interesting thing about this? Maybe this whole region, uh, like a fun holiday that they celebrate. 
But they celebrate Tumble Day. Tumble Day. Yeah. What what is Tumble Day? <laughs> well, so it, it, the origins are a little murky, but in general, uh, it's around the time where the flowers start blooming, and uh, there is this legend like. A long, long time ago, this fool was dashing through the village as the flowers were blooming, and he kept bumping into all the little stands, the little vendor stands, and it was it caused a lot of commotion. But for some reason, maybe it was magic, I don't know, everyone, instead of being angry at the fool, they all just started laughing hysterically, and like they just started rolling around the floor laughing like crazy. Not sure if it happened, but in commemoration... Around this time of year, when the flowers start blooming, everyone goes out in the streets and they laugh and they roll around and it's called Tumble Day. This is such a positive town. Mm. I want to go visit Torax. This sounds like such a great holiday to, for me to, to me to go go be a part of. All right. Uh, Tumble Day is actually the holiday that is going on right now. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal and people are so excited every year to come and celebrate Tumble Day. And, and you guys have heard uh, um, Thrain and... and um, uh, Grolo, you have he- both heard of Tumble Day, yeah. and maybe you've never gotten a chance to experience it before. Yeah. So you're, you're actually going to get a chance to, to yeah. jump in and, and try out a little bit of Tumble Day. Um, and maybe you're looking forward to that. Um, there's also another uh, detail about this town. They are well-known for um, trade, but they're also well-known for selling something else. Kirk, what are they, they well-known for selling? Selling uh, salmon. Lots of salmon products. Whoa. Salmon fish and soup and trinkets. Oh, this, like sound, this sounds a little like Seattle. It's starting to, <laughs> <laughs> starting to sound a little, a little that that direction. Um, they they love their their salmon products, and actually, it's extra big on Tumble Day oh. um, because the mostly they get a lot of tourism, and so it's a it's a really big day to, to um, pull in a lot of a lot of salmon products. They toss the salmon at the they, market. They toss the they toss the salmon. It's a tradition in this town that they toss the salmon, uh, but they just throw it at people. Oh, yeah. um, so you really, it's just, you're kind of ducking out of the way. It's part of the sort of joy of Tumble oh, Day totally. uh, is that you're getting sa- salmon and flowers thrown at you <laughs> so I, constantly. I've heard told that the really skilled tumblers will catch the salmon in mid-air tumble and then land and roll, Yeah, which is pretty difficult to do. Is that, 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 that does sound – they're very slippery. Yeah. Um, perfect. As you wander into uh, Torax, you are um, – uh, really just struck by um, there's there's an enthusiasm about the town, but it's very subdued. Um, it's nothing at all like you have heard about mm-hmm. for Tumble Day. Um, and even for the time of year, springtime, right. there are many flowers blooming. And uh, frankly, like the, the attitude of the town is is very subdued, and there's not a lot of people around. There are some carts oh. with flowers. There are some uh, places that are sort of half, half-heartedly throwing fish um, at you as you come in, but... And salmon's a big fish, so it's 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 still Smack. you still kind of have to dodge out of the way of it. But um, but it just doesn't have the, all the enthusiasm that you've heard of, and you're starting to wonder uh, maybe maybe we've heard sort of exaggerated tales of, oh. of Tumble Day and, and of the town of, of Torax. Um, so what I'm going to have you do now is I'm going to have you roll some dice. Um, so uh, both of you have some some dice there with you, and you have some some places to roll some of those dice. Uh, you can see I have a whole bunch of different dice. You don't, you don't need to roll all of them. <laughs> you can if you want. You're letting the audience hear the be, be a part of the dice yeah. experience. Dice are one of the most fun parts of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the die that we're going to use almost all the time is the twenty sided die. So if you can find the die that has the most facets to it. That's perfect. That's the the twenty-sided die. Um, pretty much any time I say, "Go ahead and roll a blank," 
Um, I, what I mean is I mean a 20-sided die check of some kind. Um, so what I want you to roll now is a perception check. So you're going to roll a 20-sided die, and on your character sheet on the on the sort of left-hand side, uh, in, the, in a, a rectangular box, there's a whole list of words. Uh, one of those is perception. That's mm-hmm. your perception skill, and it's got a little plus bonus next to it. Yeah. Okay, I so got a 14. You roll a die, and then you add the plus bonus to whatever it is. What does that say, 12? It should roll here if you should. And uh, plus three. So I think I got a 15. <laughs> yeah. I got a 15. Okay. 15. Um, those are both high enough. So I have sort of a number in my head that I'm, I'm uh, uh, having you guys try to beat, essentially. Okay. Um, uh, those are both high enough for you to both notice as you walk into the town. You can see that the bank recently um, looks like it has gotten robbed. Uh, you can see there's a huge hole blown in the side of this bank. Um, and uh, it, it looks like it happened maybe a few days ago, maybe maybe as much as like a week or two weeks ago. Um, recent enough for them to still be kind of repairing the hole, but uh, not so recent that you're seeing like still money flying right. anywhere, or gold lying on the ground or anything like that. Um, and you sort of take note of it as you come into town. But that's not the reason you came here. The reason you came here is because you heard that the dock master was calling for help. You heard that the town is effectively being attacked by pirates. Um, and they're paying quite a hefty sum in order for you to come in and help take care of this pirate problem. Okay. Um, it sounds like the perfect opportunity to flex some of your muscles a little. Yeah. yeah. Um, as you make your way to the docks, uh, the dock master greets you. You eventually find his, his he has a, like sort of a little, a little office um, that, that you come into, and the dock master greets you there. Um, he introduces himself. He, said, he introduces himself as Dock Master Barrett. Um, he says, uh, hello and welcome. Uh, welcome to the town of Torax. Uh, what can I do for you? You're looking for a ship? We came because we heard that you needed help with some pirates, and we are expert pirate eradicators. Oh, well, I, I mostly deal with pirates, but he helps sometimes. That's fine. I, I don't mind being second to that. I mean, look at, the, look at him. He's gigantic. He is gigantic, I have well, got to say. I'm smart. As a two, I'm smart. He's smart. He's very smart, too. He seems very smart. I would not want to challenge him on how smart he is. That's right. Uh, Oh, well, uh, I do have that problem. You know that it's going to pay you 20 gold. uh, 20 gold a person, that is. 20 gold for all of us? For each of you. 20 gold. I'll pay you 20 gold once you return from destroying the pirates or taking care of them. So I get how much? 20 gold. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can put them out on the table if that would be helpful no, 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 for you no, to no, see no, them. No, no, okay. no. I, I got it. Okay. Um, uh, I, I assume, uh, well, very good. Uh, I'll pay you 20 gold. So uh, I'll pay you a little extra if you can bring me some pirate bandanas and, and uh, demonstrate that you've really taken care of the problem. You don't believe that we're going to do this? Well, I believe that lots of people go out under the water, son, and not everybody comes back. What Grollo says, Grollo does. Oh, that's uh, true. Then you seem like a trustworthy bunch, or at the very least, I don't want to lose all my teeth. So, um, <laughs> I'll happily pay you 25 then, uh, just straight up, if you can take care of the pirate problem. Uh, I Excellent. will... Hey, uh, Thrain. Yes. Thrain is... 25 is more than Okay, 20. yes, yes, yes! <laughs> well, wonderful. Uh, I'll need to take down your names and a short description of what you look like, just to... Have it in the books in the event that you don't return. Uh, keep everything on the up and up. Uh, Thrain Stonearm, and I am a dwarf in chainmail and a shield, and I have a warhammer. 
Is that all you need? Uh, that should be good I enough. I can write, beard write with that down. Braids. Just in case anybody came looking for you, I could identify you. Okay. My name is Grolo the Cruel, and I am tall, and uh, I am handsome, very, very handsome. I resemble my mother, and not my father, never my father. I have a scar, which I think makes me more handsome, across the left side of my face, and my... It it adds to some of your distinguished look, for sure. Thank you. My bronze armor is... Very bronzed. Is your is your mother the the work side or is your no 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 she is human. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, well, don't, don't bring up his dad. It's sort of a sore topic. Oh, never my father, never. Oh, well, I, I have you not my place. I'm just a dock master. After all, have you all. seen any orcs come this way? Oh no, not often in the any city. that look uh, like me. Occasionally, some that look like you. We we get our fair share of uh, of trade and travelers coming coming through the town. We try not to make too much of a ruckus. Okay. Uh, but usually more on the uh, half-breed side, like yourself. I am looking for my father. Oh, I haven't seen him. I, what's the, his name? I don't want to talk about my father. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I did. It sounded like you wanted to talk about I him. I want to find my father, <laughs> not talk about Oh, I father. see. Okay. Well, if I see him, not that I would know what he looks like or what his name is or anything along those lines. No, I'll let you know. I don't either, but... Okay. I will find him. <laughs> so, uh... Um, Barrett gives you uh, kind of kind of a little quick rundown of what's been going on. Uh, he tells you that uh, pirates have been attacking pretty much every night. Pirate attacks are not that uncommon. They happen maybe once, maybe twice a month at the most, most months. Um, but recently they've been happening every single night. Um, there are pirate attacks that are happening so constantly, this town relies on trade. Um, and people can't travel in and out of the town. Usually they're, they're sailing up and down the sound, uh, bringing lots of trade, bringing lots of people. And with all these pirate attacks happening, there's just no trade that's going on in the town. It's probably part of the reason why the celebrations are looking so sad this, this time of year. Um, he does mention one other curious piece of detail as well. He says, lately, the last couple of weeks or so, there hasn't been a moon just no moon in the sky. There was a, there was a new moon, uh, meaning that, that the moon was sort of vanished one night. Um, and ever since then, the moon never came back. Did we notice this in the, wherever we came from? Um, as you were traveling closer and closer to the town, the, the night before you, you sort of camped on your way into town, uh, you did notice that there was no moon that night as well. And it seemed odd because it was counter to the calendar that you're, you're used to. Yeah. Um, uh, but knowing that, that maybe it's something to do with the region uh, tells you maybe a little bit more information. That's a bad omen, Grolo. Uh, no moon. I, I did not notice the lack of moon for I was asleep. The gods must be upset. They might be. Well, the two of you might be right. We certainly have gotten our fair share of bad luck. First, the bank gets robbed. Now this whole pirate thing going on. Uh, frankly, this is not a good time of year for it. The people are really suffering. If you can bring some closure with all this pirate business, it might uh, help along some of the other things. Uh, bad, uh, oh, bad omen be, be damned. Well, my god, Moradin, will see to it that the moon be returned. And the fish and the festivities will happen again. You can bank on that. No, and I, do it. I give my word. I will destroy every plank of their boats. 
Ah, wonderful. Well, I'm glad to have such sturdy fellows going about this. And he takes your names, and he's written on slips of paper, and he puts them up onto a wall uh, with a bunch of other names that are all crossed off in red ink. He's clearly, like, uh, acquired up there, and he says, I have my utmost confidence in the two of you. Uh, you will need to find yourself a ship unless you already have one. We don't have one. Uh, a ship. No, no ship. Uh, well, um, it so happens that I have a... Well, colleague might be a, a stretch a bit, but uh, there's not a lot of people still willing to go out on the water these days, especially not at night with the pirate attacks. I swim just fine. You, I'm sure you do, but uh, you may want to ship all the same. Uh -huh. um, I do have a colleague, his name is Shush. You can find him out on the dock, and he might be willing to let you take the ship out. You might have to pay a portion of your profits if you're successful. Okay. Well, right. the choice is up to yours. Uh -oh. Go, Which uh, way is Shush? Uh, you just head on down this way. Take a take a right at the at the lamp post over there, and uh, you should be able to find him down. Uh, smaller ship. Come, uh, Grolo. Let's find this Shush, the man with the boat. Very well. We go find Shush. Wonderful. You head down the dock, um, and you can see uh, that there's not really a lot of people by the boats right now. Um, nobody's really willing to go out on the water. Um, and you can see that uh, uh, there is one person, a uh, sort of half-devil-looking de half figure um, who is it, uh, maybe handsome. I'll let you describe him. Of course he's handsome. <laughs> Super handsome. <laughs> um, you can't see his face, though, because he's staring out over the, the moonless night, staring out at the water. And uh, he's playing the violin. By himself, oh. and it's not particularly good. <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it a happy song or a? Um, you get the sense that it's uh, it's trying to be a happy song. Okay. <laughs> you hear this kind of mediocre music, and you kind of want to tell him to stop. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I say, "Good sir, is your name Shush?" Yes, it is. Mm. Shush. That's what my mom said. That's where my name comes from. Appropriate name. <laughs> we were told to come to you, I guess, to find if you might be able to take us uh, to find where the pirates are so we can oh, you're looking save the for city. Pirates. Yeah. Drain, uh, please. What was this music you were playing? Ooh. I, I'm a bit of a player. See, I spend a lot of time out on the out on the, the ocean by myself or with my friends, and I like to sing some songs and play some music. It cheers everyone up. But what is this called? I recall it from my youth, but it was played much better. But what is it called? <laughs> oh, I'm still practicing. Uh, this is called a violin. The the song. What is the song called? Oh, I, I wrote it myself. It's 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 untitled. Four hundred and seven. Oh, oh, okay. It reminds me of something uh, 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 traumatic. A moon, moonless night? A maybe. dead rat, maybe? I don't, know. I don't know. Something from when I was young. Yeah. Okay. Well, if, we, if you really want to go out on a ship, we'll have lots of time to talk. Oh, ship. Right, right. Sing, sing songs together. We need a ship, yes. Songs, I know many songs of Moradin. Uh, my... But do you know songs about Lessadin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? What I is just some some din? I don't know. <laughs> some more or less. I don't know. More. Wait, we need more. a ship. We oh, are on a quest. Oh, sorry, thank we you. We need um, a ship. I I have a ship. Good. Drain. Pay the man. Pay the. What's in it for me? I like a little bit of adventure. See, if we make it to the pirates and back in one piece, we will give you one third of our ah, pay. Right. We don't have the pay. 
We will have the pay. All right. What if I get to write a song about our adventures? That sounds... And I'll keep all the royalties. Uh, absolutely. I... Well... I'll use your likeness in my song. Who are, who are these royalties? Are they the pirate royalties? I don't understand. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I think I will slay the royalties. Uh, all right. All the way to my bank account. Perfect. Let's go. A deal, then. We shake on it, sir. I prefer war. Fine. Uh, as you shake... Um, this is where being an actual actor comes into play. <laughs> because you have pirate. actual accents. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the voice is actually... Um, Adam's been taking um, uh, voice acting lessons. Oh, yeah. uh, but a lot of them is, are not about accents. Sometimes it's just about um, uh, changing your, your speech. Um, um, Umberto, you're doing uh, a pretty decent This job is my normal voice. voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just, this is just Kirk talking as Moradin. We, we we could we could actually talk a long time about about like uh, the kind of character that you put in and how the voice sure. changes and and uh, yeah. how that speaks about you and and, and yeah, sort of I, the kind of well, person you are as well. I, I, it's so in a lot of people in D anD D they will develop a practice of when you're speaking in character and when you're speaking out of character and when you're in character you should do some affectation to let everyone know you're in character talking uh-huh. and I. I'm just so embarrassed about voices <laughs> that I always just spoke in. I just would usually just raise my hand or I would put on a hat or something. I was just like, I don't want to make a, I don't, that's hilarious. I can't make a voice. So that's, that's really interesting because in our groups, we don't have a rule that participants speak in voices and yeah. character voices, but we always encourage them to, to embrace the play space where they can get a chance to take a risk mm-hmm. and see that everybody's playing. And that play is really where a lot of the magic happens. And mm-hmm. if you can take a risk and be a little bit vulnerable, then there's a lot more that can happen there. Yeah. The, I could try to bastardize like a Scottish accent or something. There's the, also no such thing as Scotland. So if you do a bad Scottish accent, no one will know that it's a yeah. bad. Like my <laughs> accent has already changed three times. I don't know if anybody knows it. Um, and that doesn't matter because you, you can change your voice as it goes too. We, we've had some players that start off by having like a really unpredictable kind of voice that you can't maintain for very long. And then like that, I can't do that voice for it. That's, that's not going to work. So then they, to- they totally change it and we just kind of retcon the whole thing and say, that's fine. That's what your character's voice is because it's all in our imagination anyway that's hilarious yeah um so the three of you um take take to the water um it turns out Chush, are you a good sailor i mean i imagine you've been doing it a lot so so i assume you're a good sailor but would you like to roll for I'll it roll for it um so you can add your you can just make this a dexterity saving throw so you can add your dexterity uh that is too small for me to read hold on 16 yeah. uh 16 you're a pretty decent sailor uh, you've at least spent enough time on the water that you know what you're doing. Uh, the ship that you have is a, is a kind of a smaller ship. It does have like a little, um, uh, I guess, inside section that you can kind of crawl into, but it's not very big. It's a good ship size for three people. Nice. As the three of you get out onto the water, um, uh, Shush, you pass along the information that you have heard, the kind of rumors about, about these pirates. Um, you've heard these two rumors. You've heard, well sort of a, a, a um, ridiculous rumor that, that it's just one pirate ship, which seems just crazy because the pirates every single night uh, have been taking ships um, without fail uh, for the last couple of weeks. They, they, they just um, always are a ship that goes missing or a ship that uh, winds up coming into the dock, but there's only one or two people left. Uh, it has been um, just brutal, and no pirates really have that kind of schedule. Um, but, but you sort of pass along that information mm. for, for everybody to sort of ponder a little bit. You're also sailing out during the day, and apparently all these pirate attacks happen at night. So you have a, a few hours that you get to 
uh, I guess, kill uh, while you're kind of waiting for the sun to go down and uh, setting yourselves up to, to sort of set up this um, reverse ambush, I guess, um, for these for these pirates. So during that time, uh, you have a little bit of opportunity to get to know one another and for you to get to know uh, Shush. Um, at the end of this, we'll say, six-hour chunk of time where you are uh, hanging out on this very small ship together, uh, you all find yourself becoming fast friends. Um, and I'm curious, what is a uh, thing that you shared uh, or a thing that you did together that helped you become fast, fast friends in this? The in three this of us? The three of you, yeah. Shared, like, in, verbally? Uh, yeah, it could have been a story or a joke or a um, uh, maybe you, you taught each other a skill, uh, something along those lines that you spent some time doing during the six hours together. Well, what happened was I was sitting there pra- doing some exercises that I do daily, but my exercises like are like... And, uh, you know, uh, um, what is uh, Shush started playing along like a little melody. And it wasn't great, but it was a melody. And that inspired Thrain to sing one of his God's songs, which I secretly <laughs> kind of, they drive me nuts. But the three of us together just kind of like locked in and played. And it was a great moment. Yeah. I sang a song about the great uh, woman dwarf army and how they defeated a dragon and how everyone in the town thought they were males because they had beards but they were actually all women all his songs are about the same kind of stuff but but okay they're frequently about women doors <laughs> with beards women <laughs> specifically that yeah. specifically that thing all right <laughs> shush do you share anything about yourself um, as you're as you're going through this, I I think Shush is uh, uh, yeah Shush is going to definitely try to play more music. He sees that like this is a, clearly a, something we have in common. So yeah. Shush's strategy is to find something we have in common. Clearly, we uh, myself and Grolo like to m- make music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm we, not. We sure. just kind of formed a band. I mean, yeah, it, totally. I saw mean, <laughs> it working have... out, but yes, um, <laughs> I'm not yet sure what Thrain and Shush have in common. So I think he's going to ask a lot of questions. Like, okay, do you like to? You'd like to play games? Uh, sure. When I was a child, 75 years ago, we played a dice game <laughs> deep in the mine. Yeah. Right. Do you want to play it? Now? Te- you could teach me some hours to kill before um, the pirates. Kill? I, I am ready. Gro- Point Grolo the shoots way. up into the air. <laughs> Point the way. <laughs> That's a figure of speech. It's, <laughs> it's like we're going to talk. We're not wasting it. We're killing it. We're doing it intentionally. Ah. Very well. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, it begins with this uh, 20-sided die here. Here you go. Uh, everyone grab one if you can. <laughs> and uh, you roll it, and uh, you bet to see who is the odd person out. It's, it's like evens or odds, and whoever has the odd, even, or odd, just roll the dice. Do I'll you have you. another die? Mine got yeah, here crushed. you go. Here you go. Thank you. So roll it. And what number did you get? I got a six. six that's an even a, number. I have a four. That's an even number. Which I also got a six. Okay, we got to do it again. That's that's what we Three. call that's what we call a bunk. It's you know. Okay, this okay game roll again. Is bunk. Okay, you got an eleven. That's that's a no, no two ones. That's, two ones. Yeah, that's an that's an odd number. I got eighteen. That's an even number. I got a ten. So uh, Grolo, you are now the, uh, you are now the, the leader, the T boy. Yay! <laughs> Very we call we call the loser the T boy. Wait, the loser. Yeah, you're the loser. You're the, I am the loser. You're the T boy. 
Why? That means you go get T first. <laughs> I got more ones than you. Yeah, it's true. Which means you're now the T-boy. Uh, I see T getting as a great honor. You know, I really do miss this game. This is like a f- <laughs> really fun game. Well, I'm glad we've connected thanks about for, this. Thanks for asking me to play. Sure, yeah. sure. So um, when the pirates come, do we have a plan? I'm not much of a fighter. I suppose we... He goes first. I go punch. second. What can you do? Um, I play the violin. Okay. Well... Um, there is actually a, a rapier on the side of his. Uh, what about that belt. thing? Oh, I could use that. I'm, I'm hoping you know you all can sort of take care of everything. Um, I'll inspire you with my music. Huh. Well, that could that could be um, helpful. I, I, I was thinking um, we might want to like reverse ambush is what my colleague said. So I'm thinking maybe we could. Look, okay. So look like we're going to be ambushed. My oh okay so we are. Going to pretend that we're helpless. Oh, yes. I oh. will hide. Very devious of you. That's I will hide so as they arrive, they don't see me. Yeah. And then as they start boarding, I will knock them unconscious. Yeah. Right. We could go below. You could stay Eat up top. Their I'll stay up top and, and I'll look really scared. Chew yeah. on their arms and. Hide that rapier you might want to. Maybe right. tear their blade? legs from their. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> Is he always like this? Yeah, it's good. Believe I get a me, little it comes, in, it comes in handy. Comes in handy. You'll see. Um, what if we all were to sort of look helpless on the side, as if everyone who was actually a fierce fighter had fallen off the side of the ship? I can try to look helpless. What would you look like if you were looking helpless? <laughs> you look pretty fierce to me when you look like that. So if you were like, if, if I was looking helpless, I might, might like put my eyebrows up and put my fingers in my mouth, kind of like this, and maybe tears. Uh, I'm a, quite a good okay, actor. Okay, okay. So. Well, do you have a bandage of some sort? I could look bandaged. Is there a bandage on the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you have all sorts. Oh, of I have a first aid kit. Okay, aid. let let me let me put my arm in a sling and put something on my head, and I'll be. Looking passed out. Oh. oh maybe my. maybe I'm out for the count. I think that's perfect. Okay. If you give me a cloak, I could cover my armor and weapons. I think that's about as good of an acting I am capable of. <laughs> you look harmless as it is, well, but fine. I, so You have an extra cloak. Sure. I yeah, certainly absolutely. have a cloak, but I, I think there might be some way you could look helpless because you're pretty st- Stout, no offense. Yeah, no. You look like you could fight. I just no so, dwarf takes so, offense to the word stout, sir. But perfect. Mm. So, so I'm curious if you were to look helpless, scared, mm. even what would you look like if you were scared? Uh, well, my mother would make me quite afraid when I was. Playing. Don't laugh at it. He's talking about his mother. <laughs> this is important, especially for dwarves. You know his thing about lady I dwarves? I thought that scared is something we pretend. I didn't know we actually get scared. <laughs> this is an important moment. I, I guess I, I remember shaking. My knees would knock. And uh, yes, uh, my teeth would, would uh, rattle. And uh, my brow would sweat. All right, do that. Yeah, perfect. That looks. Uh, I'm worried about you now. Oh, that was well, such, don't worry. I'm acting. That I'm, was such good acting. Yes, thank you. Method acting. Even. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I think we're ready. Let's do this for the next few hours until the sun sets. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you uh, you do this for the next few hours <laughs> until the sun sets. Now you also you also play games. This is uh, that that time that you spend uh, getting to know each other and really really kind of building up that relationship. As the sun goes down, uh, it starts to get deep into the night, and just like all the previous nights, and just like the dock master said, uh, there is no moon tonight, and it is a very dark night indeed. Oh. Um, as some of you actually have uh, on your character sheets on the very right hand side down in that box on the bottom it'll tell you whether or not you have something called dark vision of um, course dwarves have dark vision they, I suspect, I suspect actually everybody the, might have they dark live vision. in the you an see in dim light within a 60 foot radius of you as if it were bright light and in darkness in that radius as if it were dim light um, so for those who are listening, uh, um, everybody here has character sheets, and the character sheets have all sorts of information on them, including how strong you are and how smart you are, um, and lots of interesting uh, abilities that you have that are dependent on uh, the job that you do and also the, the sort of fantasy race that you are. Dark Vision is one of those fantasy race, race, race traits. I can't dis- discern color, though. Only shades of gray. Uh, but it's good enough while you are sort of um, uh, being the ship, except that you probably want to light a few lights to make yourself good beacons to, to mm. find at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so indeed you do that. You light those lights. You uh, are, are adrift largely in the middle of this sound for um, quite some time. Um, and then a strange thing happens. You start to see a fog roll in. Um, There was no real weather tonight. And in fact, as you look up, there are no clouds. Uh, You see this fog gently rolling in, and soon it gets very thick, actually. It becomes a very thick fog uh, that is enveloping most of the ship that you can see drifting out all around the the waters. Um, And uh, before you have too much time to react, uh, you notice as a um, pale green ship uh, sort of drifting along with this fog uh, comes uh, floating up towards you at a faster speed than than you're comfortable with. Um, and you can see that the ship is pale and green, and you can see right through it. The sails of the ship appear to have holes in them. Uh, this is most definitely a ghost ship. And as it gets close to you, it raises the Jolly Roger up its sail and mast. Um, and you can see... These are ghost pirates. The ghost pirates pull up to next to the ship. Do you try to do anything to to defend yourself? You're going to try to look helpless. Thrain, should I punch now? Wait until they're close. As the ghost pirates pull up next to your ship, their ship is uh, quite a bit larger than than your own. Uh, And um, you see several figures take ropes and swing down from their ship as it pulls up next to yours. How many of them are there? Um, You see at least uh, least five figures uh, swing down from their ship, and there are many more on their ship uh, that that, uh, are sort of up there. And they've got, you can see they have sort of ghostly weapons, and you can see um, they are clearly undead. They are um, spirits from the afterlife. Afterlife, and you can see through some of their parts. You can see sort of skeleton bones sticking out, and mm-hmm. and uh, sort of drippy pieces of flesh. Although it's all kind of see through in that in that classic ghost fashion. Uh, and the ones that, who land on the on the ship next to you, they swing down in sort of a threatening manner. Um, and then the one who kind of looks, if anything, like the captain. He's got a great, great big hat, um, and he he pulls out his sword, uh, and he just says to you, "Yeah, go ahead, and I guess." Uh, Unload your, uh, unload your money and whatever uh, money and surrender. What, uh, uh, everybody, roll me insight checks. I got a twelve. Twelve. What do I have? The insight skill. So this is down in that in that uh, same place we found perception. If I don't have a little dot. 
Uh, the dot just uh, adds you a little extra bonus. Oh, I see. So if you don't, it's already factored into the number. So if you don't have a dot, it's just just the number. That's, that's ignore the, the dot. Ignore the dot. Yeah. Okay, it's got plus one, and I got a six. So you got seven. seven. Okay. Oh, uh, and what was yours? Kurt? Twelve. Oh, okay. I got a nine. Um, awesome. Uh, the the um, Grolo and Shush, the two of you aren't really, you're mostly just staring at the fact that these ghost pirates kind of are attacking you or standing there. Um, uh, uh, Thrain, you're picking up, there's something going on with these ghost pirates. Like, uh, if anything, he looks kind of bored. Uh, or maybe like like dejected or sad, uh, almost. <laughs> uh, he's really not putting... I mean, it's weird to say because he's a ghost pirate. He's not putting a lot of effort into this. And the other pirates are all kind of doing the same thing. They're sort of drawing their swords, but it's really half-hearted. Uh, and the, the captain ghost pirate is, is sort of, um, he's like gesturing with his sword, and, and he's kind of like looking around, uh, and, and he's really not paying a whole lot of attention to any of this. Uh, and he's like, go ahead, and, and I don't know, take, take, if you have any money, just dump it, dump it onto the deck there put your money and dump it dump it onto the deck and we'll go ahead and take you over and i guess we'll grind we'll grind your bones into bread that's what we mostly do these days I just, uh, it's, it's, hey, look i'm i'm so sorry about i'm so sorry about this usually we're a lot uh, it's a lot more flashy and it's a lot better and i I feel a little bad. You're really not getting the full experience. I, it's, it's normally a must. It's, it's threatening, right, boys? And the other pirates uh, kind of turn. And they go. They go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of them's like, uh, Yeah, usually we're usually it's a lot more threatening. Sorry, I guess. I, I grab my Moradin symbol and I fling off the cloak, and I say, "You will get the full experience of Moradin's glory." And I try to turn all of the. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, I, and I say, as he's doing this, I say, Thrain, not yet. I, I think not yet to punch. <laughs> yeah, you're going to turn. Yeah. Uh, so turn undead is a special cleric move that you can do. Would you, would you read what turn undead does? As a, as a, uh... Yeah, it's with some, if undead, and these are undead since they're ghosts, are within 30 feet, then they have to roll a DC 13 save or they have to run away from me. Uh, essentially run away from the glory of Moradin. It's, symbol- it's similar to in our world when a Christian priest would hold a crucifix up and a zombie would have to run away or a vampire would have to run away. Absolutely. Um, so the uh, so all of the um, undead that are around, especially the the um, sort of four other ones other than the captain, they take off. Uh, they take off running. They they have like um, sort of horrific, fearful looks on their face uh, as you as you uh, unveil unveil your your cloak and you hold up your holy symbol um, and you call upon the power of of Morden, uh, and they take off running in different directions the, because they're ghosts. They just sort of run through the air off the ship. Uh, and they're just floating through the air sort of uh, in different directions ar- around the ship. Uh, and you see the captain, and he just sort of uh, face palms. He just p- puts his puts his ha- head into his hands, and he's like, No, don't go. Oh, oh, it's going to take forever to get them back here. Uh, you have to do it that size. This is really going to drag this whole thing out. You're really pulling pulling out all the stops. That's a shiny, that's a nice holy symbol you got there. Though. You that's... will turn and go back I know, to the... I know, I know, I know, I know. I'll turn. <laughs> And go back to the to the undeath and all that and and listen. 
I wish I could. Uh, honestly, this has really been a drag on me for for so much. You know, they don't tell you when you become undead and curse a land that uh, someday somebody's gonna like make you come do this every night. Our holes both bursting with, with who gold. is making you do this? Oh, Rain. well, I mean, you know, we punch now. We, no, wait. We, <laughs> <laughs> Your friend's en- enthusiast. He doesn't seem very unconscious to me. He's sort of shaking over there. He's, uh, he's, I, uh, uh, he's eyeing me, really. He's not very unconscious at all. Um, and you there, do you have a rapier? Wow, this, you had a whole ambush set up, didn't you? Um, Who I, is making you do this? Well, frank- frankly, I am impressed. Uh, I'm impressed. Tell you, boys, uh, they're still running off into the <laughs> into the night. He goes, ah, oh, God. You Bro just stands up. You can't good, uh, get good undead help I these days. can't wait any longer. Three. Yeah. Sorry. Listen. Try to punch. <laughs> you, your, your fist, uh, it's, a, it's a good punch. Uh, I'm, I, I won't make you roll for it. Your, your punch uh, passes right through his head. Uh, and in fact, you, you deliver like a series of blows. Boom, boom, so you're, you're, boom, you're like boom, several boom. punches in. And then you try to grab him. And you, you just sort of pass right through him. Every, every punch and blow Uh-oh. sort of passes right through. And the captain the whole time is like, whoa, whoa, big, whoa, big fella. Whoa, I just, oh, oh, man. Listen, I think we got off onto the wrong foot. Why what foot? Why don't, we, why don't we start it all over again? Again, we'll bring the fog in. We'll do all the all the fancy stuff. We'll really put some effort into this, and I promise you, by the end of this, we'll, we'll have, have grinded your bones into great bread. It will be uh, uh, an awesome an awesome experience. I'm sure we can find some place left over on the ship for some bone bread. Uh, it was, we're, we're packed to the whole, to the to the gills at the moment, but but uh, we want to give you the authentic experience. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you continue to you continue to attack the. Uh. The, the ghost pirate. He says, listen, it's just because of this whole stupid no moon thing. Uh, some some time ago, somebody said, no, we're just going to get rid of the moon and the blessing that, that a loon has on this on this beautiful place. Uh, and no longer will she protect the, the sound and all of that. And we've been cursed here for a couple of hundred years. We do this once a month. It's great fun. We kill a few people. We get some, some gold. Uh, it really works really well. You do it every night and it's it, it really we drags on might you. be able to help you with that yes. and i put my symbol back down <laughs> he goes really you think you can help with that yes well i think i can point you in the right direction you're sure because we could go back and do the whole thing i don't mind we'll put some real effort and grind your bones up and and do all of the all the good stuff you're sure you're you're okay helping out Drain mm-hmm. punch now no, I think oh. we can help with this. We can, if you want to cr- bring back the moon so that you can go back to a more less involved schedule, <laughs> then maybe everyone can win. I show you the moon! I pull down my, my drawers. Uh, and he, he, he shields his eyes, and he goes, Dear God, yes, fine. I, we will take you up on that offer. Just just uh, tell your friend to back off a little bit. Uh, he, he, As you he, notice, he can, one he, cheek looks like an orc cheek, and the other cheek looks like a, like a human cheek. He, also, he holds up his hand over his eyes, and his hand is see-through, so he's, just, he's not really, he can't really block, block very much of it. Um, uh, he says, I, I'll tell you what. Um, it sounds like a good deal. Boy, we would love to go back to just doing this once a month. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll even pay you a portion of the gold. Okay. How does that sound? We have so much, we don't even know what to do with it. Okay. Um, okay, okay. Uh, we'll back off. Uh, we'll, uh, uh, I'll tell the boys that you, um, you don't have any bones. 
Uh, they'll they'll be into that. They'll be into that. Um, and uh, and you go ahead and go ahead and take care of this. What, what happened ha- to oh. my bones? Uh, they uh, I don't know. You're one of those strange, those strange no bones ones. Oh, don't you're- the boys don't have much of an education. They'll be fine. They'll be fine with that. That is he. Oh, well, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think no what bones. happened. There used to be a shrine, a shrine to Elune. Uh, and she protected all of this land. She brought the moon every night, and through that moon, she would protect the land. And we couldn't, we couldn't show up here because she protected it. Um, so we could only show up when the moon wasn't there. If you can go back there, figure out what happened to the shrine. Maybe you can bring back the moon. We can go back to doing this once a month. You know, everybody's happy. The occasional person gets grind, ground up into bone bread. Uh, but we don't have to do it every night. Okay. Okay. Oh, sounds wonderful. Shake so, on it. Shush, what do you think? Um I uh um I uh uh sounds uh sounds better than becoming bread. Yeah. What, what, this bread is it tasty? Oh, it's delicious. Would you like some? I I think so, yes. Grolo, no, it's no. He it's, pulls no, out he pulls no. out a little loaf of bread. <laughs> it's it's also see through. All of him is, oh. is this see through green. Uh and he, he hands the, the bread over to you. And your hand passes right through and the bread just just falls through the, the thing and he goes, Oh right. Ghost. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work very well. Uh. I guess you can't have any of the bread. I apologize. It's really good and he takes a he pulls another loaf out and he takes a bite of, of the of the bread. He goes, It's kind of a, a ghost delicacy, I guess. I could give you the recipe. Uh, please do. Uh, he, he he writes down the recipe and hands it to you on a go- ghost piece of paper. <laughs> this keeps How happening. many times can we do this? this bit? My bones are gone. I don't have a recipe. Can I borrow that pen at least? Drain <laughs> <laughs> <Brain> help. <laughs> Uh, he says, "He says, let's let's shake on it then." It's the same. It's the same. He goes, "Oh yeah, this is not working out very well." <laughs> uh, listen, before the folk, before the fellas run back, uh, I'll tell them we let you go due to the lack of bones thing, and they'll feel bad enough for you that they won't really want to come after you anyway. Head to the island. Um, it's the island of. We're going to name this island together. Um, Adam, what is the first letter of the name of this island? A. Oh, it can't be all consonants. L. G. R. Y. Algri. Uh, the island of Algri. Uh, he says, the island of Algri is probably where you'll find the shrine. I think that's... We can't go there because, you know, it's land and ghost pirates and all that. Um, but if you can go there, you might be able to figure out what happened to the shrine and bring the whole thing back into balance. Um, I appreciate. I really do appreciate your help. You sure you don't want us to do the bone bread thing? Pretty one, sh- one final offer. Pretty sure. Okay. All right. Uh, he uh, he whistles with his fingers, uh, which um, uh, kind of gives a signal to every all the guys on the boats. And he goes uh, and he kind of motions like a, like he uh, he's saying it's off kind of thing, like a big uh, 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 sort of finger across his across his throat. And, and he shouts up to them, "No bones!" And all the all the men on the boat are like, "Oh." All right. That <laughs> uh, Shushi's gonna do his best, like acting school impersonation of having no bones. <laughs> and, like do the, do the worm, <laughs> and then I'm still. Uh, uh, sorry, Grolo is still looking at his arms in wonderment, like no bones. 
<laughs> uh, perfect. And he kind of swings back onto his ship. Eventually, the the other ghosts also come back from their from their fear. It lasts quite a long time. It was an effective spell, hmm. and they they sort of come back onto the onto the ship as well. And the captain kind of uh, uh, salutes you off uh, as the ghost ship sails on, and the fog along with it, um, and they sail off into a different direction. Um, everybody, roll me a history check. Sixteen. Uh, oh, uh, eighteen. Need my reading glasses. Yeah, the text is a little. It's a little small. Yeah. Ten. Eighteen. Oh, awesome. Eighteen. Wow. Sixteen. Yeah. Um, wow, Shish, you actually don't really know this. I have a plus six. You've been on this sailing roll. around here. I'm terrified of ghosts. Yeah. And I'm doing the worm on the deck. Yeah. You keep <laughs> it up while the ghost ship is. I, I want to make sure that they <laughs> leave. They, they really believe you have yeah. no bones. Um. The two of you have heard of the island of Algri mostly because it's supposed to be sort of this cursed island. Um, island is a super generous term to, to this thing. It's more like a rocky outcropping mm-hmm. that uh, like sticks out from the, from the water. Um, there is supposed to be a shrine at the top of the island that, that lots of people have, have talked about. You've, you've heard those, those stories. Um, and there's uh, just nobody really goes there because there's no farming land. There's really nothing on the island. There's a rocky outcropping. Um, but you've also heard stories that people go there and then the goddess Alun strikes them down, uh, who is the moon goddess oh. that, you, that you are sort of aware of. Um, I think I took Alun from – wow, I might, have, I might have stolen that Alun. from, a, from, yes, from, that from sounds, wow. Um, whatever inspiration realms. you get in the in the, in the Is moment. it Forgotten Realms? The... It might be. It might. It could be. could yeah. be Forgotten they Realms. They might have taken it. <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally possible. Um, uh, so you, you know For of this, of this place. Right. For Alun. For Alun, yeah. yeah. Alun, guide me. Yeah. Um, guide me. <laughs> That's from back in my wow days. Um, so you uh, you know about this place, um, and it's not terribly hard to find. And even though Shush doesn't know it, you think you could probably uh, give him an idea about where where it is um, to to uh, help him get in that direction. Um, it doesn't take you very long to get there either. It's a couple of hours of sailing, and you're you're out to this rocky outcropping. Twelve At- parsecs. It's, a, it's all part. It's twelve parsecs. It's the fastest ship in the in the fleet. Um, as you uh, pull up. Um, you find that there's actually sort of, well, we'll say generously another ship that is already docked at the island Ooh. of, of um, Algri. Um, but it's generous to say it's another ship because it has clearly been totally destroyed. Um, it has been uh, burned down, um, and it is essentially wedged up against some of the rocks against the uh, the island. Um, and the only reason it ha- it's still there at all is because it's it's wedged pretty well. Uh, it, they must have hit the island at, at some speed. Uh, but the the ship is totally burned down. It's it's uh, sinking, or for for lack of a better term, kind of hanging there. Um, and as you pull up, you can kind of drop anchor and and uh, take a little dinghy out to the out to the rocky island and and sort of start to investigate what was going on. So just some meta questions. Mm-hmm. Have you ran this adventure with your kids before? Not this one. Uh, this adventure is a hobbled together set of different stuff that I have pulled from, from different things. Funny enough, the, um, the ghost pirate part is something I ran in a personal campaign several years ago and oh, okay. largely forgot about until I was trying to plan for tonight. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that would be really fun. To do. <laughs> so if you did run this, is this, is this a sort of adventure you could run with, with your kids? Yeah. Uh, kids and young adults? And it, so it should be pointed out you have girls and boys age mm-hmm. like 13 to 22 or something. As young as nine, actually. Okay, nine. Um, but nine. yeah, then all the way up into, into early 20s. Okay. 
And if you were to run this adventure, uh, what sort of opportunities might arise therapeutically? So actually, um, even so far, you guys have already done a lot of um, really great stuff. So one of the foundations of the work that we do is, like you said, Kirk, that it's fun to come back to um, each each time. It's it's a therapy that, that kids want to come back to each time. Uh, but what you've already done is you've already built some connection and built some relationship between each other. If, if we all didn't know each other in any way, uh, there would be a lot of opportunity here for you to have already kind of created a lot of shared jokes and a lot of like hilarious little moments that that right. you will have uh, and can reference back to in much the same way that we do on a natural basis whenever we're hanging out or whenever we're doing things together. Right. And it's funny because the activities that you put out there and the way the three of us took to it, I suppose, are things that I wish as a 47-year-old man without, I hope, social skill problems that my uh, campaigns actually had. Because a lot of the games that I end up playing in there's this sort of like lack of uh, bonding that happens <laughs> and or animosity like right from the start between the players, you know, oh. not like, I mean, somewhat actual between the human beings, but there's this sort of like default, like I'm the the gruff, you know, mean guy. And I don't, I'm not here to make friends. You know, there's, yeah. there's not uh, a lot of loner. Right. Or and that's what Adam did on the ship is he didn't say, what do you guys do on the ship? Because then we might have been, if our natural inclination was not to figure out the word adventuring party uh, that has to work together, right. we might have done like, well, I'm going to keep to myself. <laughs> right. I'm going to do something over there in the corner by myself. Right. And then we wouldn't have come on the other side. So in, in this moment, and, and I'm, while I'm a player, like I, I know what's happening in the adventure. And so I'm sort of, playing uh, an NPC in a way who's facilitating some of this interaction right. that the game master might and otherwise do, right? right? So, like, in the situation where we're all there, the question was, what do you guys do to become friends? Mm. And then there's an opportunity there for us to go, like, well, what do I do when I want to become friends with somebody? Right. And then practice that skill. And then what I was doing as Shush asking you what you look like when you're scared, you just, Kirk, you just jumped right in there and you were like, well, my character's scared about this stuff with my mom. Um, and then you also had the thing where you, your character likes this particular song about strong f females. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so there's like plenty of stuff in Kirk's, in your Thrain's background mm -hmm. that like, there's probably some Kirk in there. And, mm -hmm. and, and in Grillo's too, all the stuff right. with, with Grillo's dad is, is a big part. One of the uh, other, <laughs> other sort of foundations of, of what we do is, is the belief that, um, you put pieces of yourself into your character. Yeah. Right. So whenever you make a decision of My any mom kind, does in fact have a beard. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, we actually have like a whole sort of um, foundational theory that we're working on about the kinds of ways people relate to their characters. Mm. But anytime you make a decision about your character, anytime I ask mm. you to make up a little tiny piece of backstory or uh, a little time where your character has to like display a personality and you have to make choices about who your character is, mm. you're placing pieces of yourself. And sometimes that is a parallel. Sometimes it's the same thing and it's just me in my character. And sometimes it is I'm purposefully playing with something that's different from myself. Right. Um, and so I can't always tell necessarily, is this like, um, uh, Umberto, do you have uh, uh, challenges with your dad that you're right. kind of crafting your character off of that similar experience? Um, but I do know that, that you have enough of a familiarity, at least with that idea, to either say, I want to play around with that idea through this character, or to say, I want to um, work through the stuff that I'm going through with, right. uh, through my, my character itself. So your hope with the groups that you run is social skill development, correct? Mm -hmm. And self-esteem, I assume. Mm -hmm. 
what other kinds of things? So the, the way we normally think about it is the, the, the friends, our, our trifecta. Friends for sure. But we say confident, creative, and socially capable. Com- so Confident, a, creative, and socially capable. We have creative. a lot of, of yeah. creative stuff gets put in here, and you guys jumped right in. Um, the the Oftentimes the players and participants in our groups don't have the same degree to which they can just jump right in and make up a, a song three and made up this song about this story right and that's something that you kirk felt very confident just creating in the moment not confident uh, but well you capable you were able to do it in that but moment. you you made it look like you were confident and <laughs> you know that's what they say about confidence is you if you can fake it then you look confident which is might as well be confident so um, you probably as facilitators really coach and coax and you know even if it's a tiny little creative moment i'm guessing you reward that you don't press it you know if they're like um, I sing a a, hap- a song, and you're like, "What kind of song?" And they're a happy song. Okay, great. You sing a happy, and then you let it go. Right. You don't press it because you're because you're not gonna make them too on the spot. And right? if exactly, and if that player, if if we had said, "What do you do?" and they really struggled even coming up with, "I play a song," yeah. then playing a song might be enough. Right. We might say, "Oh yes, you play an amazing song." Right. Mm. And this is also where we can rely a lot on the dice. I I had you guys role play in the sense that you uh, just talked as your character, but I didn't have you like make charisma checks or i didn't have you um uh like make make bluff and and things like that the only things that i had you roll for so far is to get more information so um in in other games of dungeons and dragons if you just go into a game store they might have you roll a lot more checks when you when you like want to be threatening to somebody or something they might just say like cool roll a check to see how threatening you are um and in or when i tried to punch or something exactly um in this case i knew purposefully that that the ghosts were designed to be uh not something you could interact with. So I wasn't going to go through all the hollabaloo of having you roll and, and then like discover that. I, I wanted to make it narratively more interesting. There's just move you right. through the, the narrative pieces. Um, but I also didn't want to um, make uh, like your character um, have to roll to determine whether or not they can figure out what bone bread is. Um, it's just a thing that you want to do in character. I'm not going to dictate that for you, and I'm not going to force you to have to rely on the dice for that. And that's a lot of yeah. what we do in the group as well, it's deciding when to roll and when not to. That's the style of gaming I like anyway, <laughs> personally. Like when when everything comes down to a role, it's like can't we just can't we just like intuit what the character I've, would or would not know in the situation? I've right. been in games where it was I got so bored because there was a set a subset that they were so obsessed with all the physical minutia of like, well, how strong is that rope? Mm, no, no, if it's that long, there's no way it would hold that kind of tension. Oh, was it wet? Oh no! Then that I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like how much? Yeah. But they're really, you know, they were really trying to be like the the, the fun for them was simula the simulation, trying to get it as close physics. to reality, it's like the physics kind of simulation, mm. and that's fine. And then for me, it's more like, dude, it's a rope. I like more the, the <laughs> right. story part. Uh, and right. I, I like we Adam and I like talking in characters and and uh, and and being goofy with one another. And that sort of that sort of play space that that Adam likes to talk about and that is really big in drama therapy and is is a really important piece of of um, kind of creating both confidence and, and ease and yeah. safety and comfort um, is really about like talking in character and feeling safe enough to to interject things like um uh like uh, how how you want to to introduce more uh, Morden or or casting spells and what your spells look like rather than getting into kind of the minutia of what the rules actually tell you. Right. And one of the things that we – a big theoretical framework for what we're coming to the table with 
the literal gaming table with, is uh, that our participants often have lagging social skills. It's not that they have yeah. social skills problems or social skills uh, deficits. We try to take a strengths-based approach. And so the kids are oftentimes have lagging social skills. They're oftentimes under-socialized. And so if we think about this developmentally, what we really want to do is provide them an opportunity to play in the way that a lot of kids might naturally at a very young age have unstructured narrative social play on the playground. Right. And historically... Kids would have a lot of unstructured narrative social play, and you learn a lot of delay of gratification. You learn a lot of really important skills through narrative unstructured social play. Yeah, man. Like the, <laughs> that totally reminds me of the favoritest game me and my friends played when we were probably six-ish. We, we called it War, and it was based on World War II, I guess. And Ironically, I was attacking the Japanese, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I wonder and, um, if there's something. Yeah, because I saw on TV or something. <laughs> and we would act out these scenes where we would have to, you know, cover me, you know, and then someone would run over, throw their grenade, <laughs> and then like someone would get shot, and you know, and and I, I think because I'm kind of a bossy person and I was as a kid too, I'd say like, okay, you just got shot and someone has to like medic you out. Okay. And like, we would <laughs> play this for like hours and hours and hours. And it was basically role playing the yeah. entire and time. And it's a very important skill to be able to be a leader in that moment and say, somebody got shot medic. We need a medic. And for somebody else to play and go, well, right. I guess I'm the medic. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to align with you. We're going to merge in this narrative space. Yeah. And I'm going to become the medic and we're going to endow this person with an injury. And now we're all creating this thing together. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of, of, of navigating an unstructured social space where if you say medic, you point at somebody and say, medic, help him out. And he goes, I'm not a medic. <laughs> I'm a captain. <laughs> no, <Right>? no, but, <laughs> right, right. but the, the, and the beauty of that game that we played was that it was so bonding and it's similar to how, you know, we're playing right now, you know, it's just so fun and creative and like, we're on the same side. Like there's no enemy. We don't, you know, like you're not the enemy, Adam, right. You're, you're facilitating the game. You know what I mean? And, and ultimately we, we really create that, that, um, space. There are some dungeon masters or game masters that will, um, that will sort of be the adversary. Right. Um, and that's not the, the game we, we like to play, and that's not the game we want to play. So uh, so uh, usually it's, it's I'm helping you to create a, a fun story. You guys are right. contributing to that story as well, and you're, you're a big part of that, that story. I couldn't have created all these hilarious little moments on my own. You needed to be uh, there for that. Yeah, so yeah. even though I'm, I'm the game master, I'm, I'm as much a uh, collaboratively telling the story along with you as, yeah, as anyone right. else at the table is. I mean, I already feel like Grolo and... And Thrain have like a shtick together. You yes. know what I mean? Like we already have like a, a, a thing. <laughs> it's the uh, Lenny and uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, one one thing this reminds me of when I was a uh, kid. Did you guys ever play the Black Cauldron uh, game on the PC? It was it was like King's Quest, but it was Black Cal Disney's Black Cauldron. Oh sure, it was it's fun. But I didn't own it. My brother owned it in the states, and he was vacationing in Bogota. And he was telling me all about it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to play it. So he, we basically – I played it. I was the character, and he was my dungeon master. But he had memorized basically the whole game because <laughs> he had just played it all the way through. And so he would tell me, okay, so uh, – okay, I, I'd be like, okay, I'll walk north. And then like, well, you're at the edge of a river. And, and he basically walked me through the whole video game as if it were like a role-playing thing. And it was awesome. I, yeah, I basically – I never actually physically played Black Cauldron. But I played through it in that way. <laughs> you that's had all amazing. the all the good pieces of yes. the experience to play yes. through it. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I, lo- I love that um, uh, that style of, of, I guess, interactivity with, yeah. with that kind of thing. So, uh, so if we can jump back in, kind of bring resolution okay. to our to our awesome story that we're telling together. Yeah. Um, uh, and as I just said, that um, you guys, I'm not going to have you roll as many dice. Have everybody roll an investigation check. Okay. Investigation. Are we investigating the ship? Um, you're investigating kind of the wreckage a little bit. As you, as you, um, uh, thirteen. You figure something must have happened on this island. Nineteen. Um, uh, perfect. And what, what was your? As I am a bit of a sailor, and I'm investigating the ship, can I get some sort of bonus for being expert at being a ship expert? I love it. Uh, yes, give me a, a roll with advantage, which means you roll twice and take the higher of the two rolls. Um. All right. That was sixteen. All right. Um. Uh. So you're you're more investigating the ship. Actually, the two of you are kind of investigating the area around the ship. I got a thirteen. You got a 13, and you also got a... 19. 19. Oh, wow. Um, uh, you find a few different things. Um, Shush, you find this ship um, looks like it was steered um, and purposefully rammed into this place. More specifically, it was rammed with a very high speed um, into the rocky outcropping here. Mm. Um, so either somebody lost control of the ship, uh, or they purposefully rammed it into the into the outcropping. You also find uh, you find some evidence. You find some like glass bottles and things like that, uh, shards of glass, I guess, um, on the ship that seem to indicate that you think somebody burned the ship on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the ship is 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 all but burned down. You also find, and this is a, maybe a little gruesome, you find a couple of dead bodies on the ship. Um, the two of you, while you're investigating kind of the shore and the rocky outcroppings right next to where the ship is, you also find a dead body. Mm. Um, it looks to be a young man, uh, and he it's actually a, a young elven man, uh, and he is uh, dressed in very kind of simple clothes, but elves <laughs> it's, might not be might not be your taste. Uh, um, but he's dressed in very simple dark clothes, um, and uh, he looks to have been completely run through uh, some type of uh, long sharp. A skinny object, maybe a sword or or something along those lines, uh, that that seems to have have pierced him, and he's probably been dead for uh, a couple of weeks. Actually, um, uh, roll me a medicine check, uh, Thrain, since you are a cleric. Ten. Um, okay, you can tell uh, you can tell that he was run through. You can tell um, it wasn't any kind of sword you've ever seen before. Oh. Um, it's sort of wider than you would than you would imagine most most swords would be. Mm. It would have to be like a really wide sword or a really thick sword or something um uh, but he definitely was, it, it ran him through right through the middle of him um and and uh he has been killed this elf has been run through with some strange wide sword well and he's dead i get kneel down and i say may moradin talk to whatever elven gods you worshipped to allow you peace in the afterlife that aren't as good then art is good. Drain, <laughs> yeah. does that work? Uh, yeah, I'm Would sure you... his soul is prancing in some eternal t- tree forest of will some Will you sort. say words like that at my death? I will say much better words at your death. Very well. Um, uh, Thrain, you find one last um, piece of information. Uh, a little ways away from this um, young uh, uh, dead elf that you find, uh, you find a pack. And in that pack, you find a journal, um, and it looks to be probably in his hand. 
Um, Can the I journal. read it? Yeah. You skim through it, and, and it doesn't take you very long to, to kind of um, pick up some of the gist. Here's what you discover. The journal dictates that he is uh, part of a group of people, uh, him and two other people, who were hired to rob a bank. They were hired to go in and get something specific, a specific small wooden box, apparently in one of the safe deposit box uh, boxes. Um, they were supposed to uh, kind of rough up the bank and make it look like they were trying to rob it for all the money, but they were being paid a very hefty sum in order to get this one very specific item. And they were told very explicitly not to open the box. And there are several points in, in, the, in the journal as you're kind of flipping back towards the, the end of the journal where you see um, that they're, they're, he's describing that they're on the ship together and his friend Samuel just cannot let it go. He yeah. wants to open the box. He really wants to see what's inside of it. And he keeps saying, the young man who uh, uh, you find out his name is um, uh, Bertrude, which is a really strange name. Uh, <laughs> but you find out that's his, that's his name is Bertrude. Um, uh, he keeps talking about how his friend Samuel just will not drop it and every time he brings it up Bertrude says no don't open the box we're told not to open the box um, and uh, they keep bringing it up and then finally the final entry in the journal is all the entries are really neat they're, they're dated they're, they're uh, in very neat handwriting the final page of the journal that has writing on it is in a, a very quickly scrawled script with no date and just the words oh, I wrote it down there's something on the ship with us and that's all you find there's something on the ship with us. What is on the ship with us? That's what this page says. This uh, elf, before he, I guess, passed, was worried about something being on the ship with them. Maybe that has to do with how it crashed? I found two dead bodies on the ship. Are they elves, too? Uh, they, uh, they, they aren't. Actually, one's a human and one's a dwarf. No, one's a human, one's a dwarf. Oh. oh. Looks like... A- a party like us, maybe-ish. That's many dead bodies. They were uh, hired to rob the bank, and they did. And I'm guessing they opened something they were not supposed to open. The, the bank. They opened the bank. They're not supposed to rob the bank. They robbed the bank. They're not supposed to. And they got something out, a box, and they opened it, and something happened. Oh. Well, I think we should probably just fix the moon and get out. Sounds w- like What's a plan. in the box? We don't know. And actually, the box is not here. Um, you don't see anything resembling a small wooden box. I mean, it is a downed ship, but you don't see anything like that on the, on the ship, and you don't see anything like that in the pack. Where's the box? Uh, where's the shrine? The shrine is at the top of the island. Um, and most of this is all sort of run down. There's a lot of kind of ruins at this point. Nobody's been to the shrine in a long time. Uh, ever since the rumors of it being a um, dangerous place to travel to, um, none of the sailors that used to frequent this area come to the shrine at night anymore in order to pray to the uh, goddess Alun. Uh, but you know that it's supposed to be at the very top of this sort of uh, um, uh, very pointy, rocky outcropping uh, section. It won't take you long to travel up there as long as you can find a way up. Shall we go to the shrine and see if we can reinstate it? Is it? It's still nighttime right now. It is still nighttime. I suppose we should do so quickly. But I want to know what's in the box. We might find out, Grola, <sighs> and you might come in handy. Very well. 
Um, as you kind of search around the area, eventually you find uh, that it's actually not very easy to, to get up to the top of this um, rocky outcropping. It's mostly sharp rocks, and, and um, it's uh, difficult to find a good, a good route up. You do find that there is what appears to be sort of an old um, rope ladder. Uh, mm-hmm. That is attached to one of the the uh, heavy cliff faces of this of this rocky outcropping, um, and you can uh, it's still mostly intact. You give it a couple of really good tugs. Um, uh, it looks well, well worse worse for wear, uh, but it seems to be holding well enough to uh, allow you to start climbing up this um, this cliff face. It's probably about forty feet up. Grillo, you first. All right, you can climb on my back if you'd like. I'll just follow you. <laughs> so Princess, I'm gonna, Princess Bride style. <laughs> <laughs> this is Princess Bride. Um, I'm going to have you roll a... Uh, you're climbing up the Cliffs of Insanity, um, and I'm going to have you roll an athletics check, okay. which uh, I imagine Grolo is pretty good at. Uh, plus five. Yikes. 17. Oh, awesome. Grolo, you are having absolutely no problem uh, climbing up this, this rope ladder. You're sort of easily making your way up. Uh, this rope ladder, um, and you give it another good tug, even with Grolo on there. It seems like it'll it'll hold pretty well if you want to start climbing at the same time. All right, I'll go. Athletics, uh, sixteen plus four twenty. Whoa. Oh wow! This dice is a lucky die. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. I have me. a I have a I have a one like I'm due for a one coming up. I'm sure. Um, Grolo, Thrain is catching up to you. Ah, uh, you're so small. Of course <laughs> you can catch up. <laughs> Try carrying this weight <laughs> uh go ahead and give me a, a roll as well Shushu. is this acrobatics is that we said uh athletics. athletics yeah whoa that is a 19 great rolls all around uh you guys start making your way up this um rope ladder which seems to be swaying a little bit in the in the sea breeze but not in any kind of real really alarming way um and as you start climbing up everybody roll me a perception check uh five Maybe you should have the, the dice tray, Umberto. <laughs> Jesus. I have a table rule in my game when I'm the game master in order to encourage a little bit of physical control that if it lands on the floor, it counts as a miss. Nine and a what? Which one? Oh, seven. I got a seven. Perception? Perception, yeah. Oh, three. Seven. Twelve. Twelve. Seven. Okay. Um, Grolo, you're the only one who notices this, maybe because you're in the lead. As you're you're climbing up, you notice what appears to be sort of um, uh, uh, little glowing specks of rock that are um, uh, sticking out from the sides of of this thing. They're not glowing with enough intensity that you would have seen them from very far away. Uh, But now that you're a little closer, you can see some of these glowing specks of rocks. And in fact, there's one that's that's pretty close by to you as you um, uh, are climbing up the ladder. And you take a moment and you uh, give it kind of a really close inspection. Uh, and all of a sudden it starts glowing a little brighter, um, and you notice as uh, all these two little claws come out from the speck of rock, and these little um, uh, spiny feet come out, and it picks itself up and starts uh, clawing, crawling, crawling along the wall towards you. Um, And it's not the only one. You start to notice these these things everywhere, and it looks like Thrain and Shush have not noticed them yet. Oh. Uh, Guys, there are little... Crabby, glowy things coming at me. Do we see them? Uh, now you can see them. Okay. Uh, they are hard to see. They're, they're glowing, but, but it's a faint glow. Faint enough glow that you might not have noticed them otherwise. 
can I hold on to the thing and warhammer them? Um, so this is where um, we're not going to do like an initiative, which is usually where we do like a full combat. We, we would roll initiative in order to determine the order in which you, you guys all act. In this case, um, we're just going to do this. You can still make attacks, but we're not going to really do initiative. Um, uh, um, we'll, we'll have you go first since you uh, offer, offered to warhammer them. Um, give me an attack roll with your warhammer. Uh, 17. Um, so uh, you definitely can hit uh, some of these little crabs with, with your Warhammer. You can take out a couple, actually. They're okay. not that big. They're maybe about the size of Are they like, crystal? A, like a dinner plate. Um, they just look like rocks. It's a, it's a sort of um, uh, bioluminescence that's coming from their shell oh. uh, that you can see is, is glowing. They must be eating something on this rocky outcropping that's giving them this bioluminescence. Um, actually, everybody roll me a nature check while, while we're at it. Nature. And nature is sort of your, your knowledge of natural things. You have to roll like closer to the ground. I got a three. Can you hand me my? <laughs> <laughs> this one has an edge on it, so you can roll here. Yeah. Just go like that. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ooh, ten. Uh, ten. Okay, ten. Three. Three. Five. Oh wow. Um, you've heard of these kinds of crabs before. Um, you don't know much about them, um, Grolo, but you know that they are called moon crabs. Moon crabs. These be moon crabs. So do I roll for damage, or do I just? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you roll for damage. This is gonna be how many moon crabs you can take out. Four damage. Uh, you take out four moon crabs as they're starting to swarm around you while you're climbing the ladder. Okay. Um, everybody else, roll roll an attack as well. Um, what what kind of attack are you doing, Grolo? A smash. Just with your fists. Yeah. Uh, awesome. What is it? Plus your plus strength. You, or uh, it's probably like a you can add seven. your strength. Uh, I'm going to have you roll um, an extra dice. So this is where you roll something other than the twenty sided die. Okay. I'll have you roll a d6 for your for your smashing attack, which is the six sided die. Um, that's a D and D terminology for um, normal. What kind of dice you you want to roll? Yeah, six sided dice are your, your normal. Add your strength bonus. Yeah, but you get to add your strength bonus. Okay. So uh, five, six, and this. No, just oh, just just the just the roll. Okay, yeah. six. So six total. That's still pretty. That's pretty okay. good. Pretty good smash. You uh, uh, smash a few of these crabs as they're as they're starting to uh, swarm around you. Um, uh, you just swing kind of your fists. Uh, uh, are you smashing them against the wall? Or you're kind of knocking them smashing off the wall. Smashing against. The wall. You're just you're just squatting. You're, you're uh, um, uh, whack a moleing these yes. these Grow uh, crabs. one hand only. <laughs> Hold on to the thing. <laughs> Um, Shush reaches down towards where his rapier is, but he actually reaches back even farther and pulls out his violin. <laughs> and then loops his, his arm around this rope ladder and then starts playing the violin, which might surprise you. But he's actually casting... What are you doing? He's casting Thunderwave. Oh, awesome. Uh, will you describe to me what happens with Thunderwave? So you guys are hearing this, like, sort of it's a strange time for Shush to be playing the violin when there are uh, these crabs this is no time uh, and then there's a, a a certain high pitched sound that happens that he kind of lingers on it's like a and then a a shockwave explosion bursts out um, hopefully knocking lots of crabs off of the cliff side into the water awesome it's a pretty successful attack go ahead and roll me 2d8 damage that's going to be also how many crabs you, you knock off. 
Nine. Nine. You you blast nine crabs off from the from the side of the cliff face, and some nice. of them go splattering off into the water. Some of them are just sort of obliterated by your by your shockwave of sound. Um, everybody, roll me one last um, athletics check to to just climb the rest of the way up the up the top of this. Fourteen. Twenty-three. Seven. Oh no. Shush, are you the last one on the ladder? Mm-hmm. Um, the two of you, um, uh, Grolo and Thrain, both of you managed to, to continue to your, your climb up, and you're sort of thrashing about as these, as these crabs are trying to get at you. Um, but you manage to gr- get all the way to the very top of this ladder and pull yourself to the top. But you notice that um, while you were finishing your climb, Shush uh, is now hanging from the, from the ladder while the crabs uh, have sort of nipped and scratched at your hands enough that you let go of the ladder and you're now hanging from your knees on the on the bottom of the ladder upside down um, and the crabs are starting to swarm around you. What do you guys do? Oh my god. Uh, why you play your violin while you climb? Ah, <laughs> it's my thing. I get you. So I start climbing back down. I, I, I get a rope out and I tie it around his waist as he's heading down. and, and hold uh, around, is, is, I imagine this is like a, uh, like a coordinated effort, maybe something the two of you have done before, yeah. where uh, Grolo just starts climbing and you're like, well, all right. Might as well tie you, you it. You lasso it, it around yeah. his waist <laughs> yeah, yeah. really quick. Uh, awesome. So you now have the should have done it the other way. I guess. Uh, Grolo, <laughs> it doesn't take you too long. He's not too far from the top, so it doesn't take you too long to get down there. Um, uh, what do you want to do to help him? I grab him with one hand. Are you just going to, like, lift him up? Yes. I have no patience left. We have to get to the top. Um, Grolo, do you want to just throw him to the top? <laughs> yes. I'm annoyed he was playing music. <laughs> so I want to go... Grolo, give me a strength saving throw. So the saving throws are just above the skills there. That's um, and you, you roll the d20 just like most of the other, most of the other checks. Um, uh-oh. And you're gonna. Add your <laughs> oh no! <laughs> this is not good. Is that a six? Six. Um, okay. Uh, this is a it's six like, plus something. Or it's a good six? thing that Thrain tied a rope around you. Um, uh, you throw uh, Shush up, and Shush, you uh, as as you feel a tug on your leg, uh, you fly up into the air, and the the crabs mostly like can't hold on to you while you're <laughs> while you're doing going flying through the air. Um, and as you fly up, uh, you reach out to grab the edge of the cliff, but you're actually a little too far from the you you, you threw him a little too straight up. Uh, so he reaches the top, but but like can't actually grab onto anything, uh, and starts falling back down. So sh- so what I'm going to do is is two parts. Um, shush, you can make a dexterity saving throw to grab onto Grolo. Okay. But Grolo, this is probably going to pull you off the ladder oh, as soon geez. as as okay. soon as he does this. So while that's going on, um, Thrain, you're going to make a strength saving throw in order to hold this rope with the both of them on What'd it. What you got? Eight. Uh. <laughs> 11. 15. 15. All right. Uh, 15 is is a good enough for you to um, grab back onto Grolo. Grolo, the tug was unexpected, um, as you figured he probably would. Just flim right. gracefully up onto the top of the cliff, um, and it yanks you off the back of the ladder. Um, Thrain... Uh, you are grabbing onto this to this rope, and it it just uh, pulls, pulls you, you uh, uh, right oh, right down the top of the of the cliff. Um, so I'm going to have you make one last check, um, Thrain, to grab to let go. To, to, oh no, to grab to like yeah, I guess okay. unless you unless you uh, strength uh, check would no. just left, let, let no, go. Yeah, I don't. Me, I just don't me, want to go over. Give with me a him. strength check. Uh, another eight. 
Another eight. Okay, so here's what happens. All of you go plummeting down this this uh, cliff face, uh, basically having been thwarted by a whole bunch of crabs. Um, and uh, as you as you come crashing down, uh, you're all going to take a little bit of, a little bit of damage. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to die in this in this thing as you as you uh, fall down this cliff face, but it, it definitely um, uh, sets your ego back a little bit um, uh, as you um, have this sort of for damage? Uh, uh, whole thing happen. Um, so what I'm going to have each of you do is roll an eight-sided die, and that is how much damage you're going to take on this on this fall Five. for yourself. Five. Okay. Um, in the in your character this, sheet in the very center block. Oh, I have the big the big me. square. That's your hit points are. Um, there's a very very tiny text font that says your hit points in that big see, square. Current hit points. Do you see? Berto? Right, it's right under your armor shield, class and right your um, initiative. Oh, four, yeah, it's tiny. Okay, 40. You have a lot that's of hit points. That's, that's the I, barbarian way. Do I, but this doesn't, this is straight from hit points, no armor. Correct. Yeah, yeah in Dungeons and Dragons, um, armor just is a representation of whether or not you get hit. Um, uh, so it doesn't reduce damage. So, so I go down to 35. Um, correct. Yeah. Um, it's Back a to the drawing board. It's a bruise to your ego. Um, the three of you uh, take a little bit more time this time climbing climbing the ladder, um, and it's not nearly as difficult now that you know that there are these crabs. Uh, honestly, you light a torch and the crabs don't bother you at all. Next um, time I throw you, you get all the way up there. <laughs> throw me farther up next time. <laughs> I threw you plenty far. It was train. You must hold on strongly. We'll I'll do both. Farther and more towards the cliff face. Oh, it was very diplomatic of you, Thrain. <laughs> Fine. Um, I like I like the idea that there was a moment where Shush and Thrain were were eye to eye, but too far apart from each other to like grab on. And yeah. like and Shush is, At, was like reaching his hands out and was like, uh, right. hang time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you do climb your way to the top of the cliff face, um, and you are uh, a little bruised and a little battered. Uh, but you are now up here, and you can see uh, that there is uh, what appears to be a, a, a old and and somewhat weathered, but very nice looking shrine to a loon. Uh, there's a beautiful sort of um, a statue of a uh, a woman in robes who is standing there, and she um, has her has her hands out, um, and she has a, a, a you imagine probably a beautiful quality to her especially in the moonlight which there's none right now uh but um but the shrine itself seems uh, really well built however um as you're looking upon the shrine you can see that there are uh, great big gashes and slashes oh. that somebody has taken to the shrine somebody has uh purposefully dis- defaced this shrine um, and as you're coming into the, this area, if you kind of imagine it a little, a little stonehenge um, mm. there's like a big circle of, of stones, um, and otherwise it's kind of open to the, to the rest of the world, and then there's this sort of statue of this woman in the very middle. Um, and a lot of the stones and the statue itself, and of course um, a, a little offering bowl that is, that is set there, all have kind of these big uh, slashes and gashes. Um, Does and- it look like the same weird sword that put the elf to death? Oh, very good. Yes, it does. It has the same in, uh, interesting thickness to it. Um, and you can see in the very center of this area, laying on the ground, wide open, is a box. 
The box appears to be made out of a dark, dark wood. Um, it seems very finely crafted, with interesting filigree kind of inlaid upon the whole thing. The box itself is not much bigger than a very small jewelry box or a ring box almost. Um, but you can see it's laying, laying with the top open, uh, sort of all, almost purposefully placed in the very center of this shrine. Once we find the sword bearer, we might try to shove it back in the box what's in the box it's out of the box oh i get it (laughs) took me this long (laughs) um so do do you have a i saw you do something with your violin maybe you have a violin thing that can put something back in a box i don't know if i could put it back in the box but i could detect magic okay i have relentless endurance good i know so <laughs> that's what she said. No, just joking. Um, as the three of you are sort of inspecting this this place up here, um, I want everybody to roll me once again my favorite check: perception checks. Uh, I have perception. danger sense apparently. Eighteen. Uh, that may definitely come in handy. Uh, perception. Sixteen. Eighteen. Sixteen. Seventeen. Wow, those are great perception checks. Um, as each of you is kind of looking around this place, you get uh, an odd feeling, almost like that tingling in the back of your neck. Maybe especially you, Grolo, because of your sort of sense of danger of, of different places. Um, that tingling is leading you to the, to the belief that something is watching you. There is something in the shadows. And every time out of the corner of your eye, you almost feel like you see something. Just a, a hint of movement. A hint of something somewhere. As you're looking around in, in mm. different directions, and you keep catching something. I always feel like somebody's watching me. We listened to that song today. We did. I read after our group. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was watching you do that, and that's why he said that. <laughs> <laughs> Meta, meta. <laughs> um, as uh, as the, the three of you are, are sort of wandering around and inspecting stuff, are you inspecting the box as well? Casting Detect Magic on oh, the box. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, the box is uh, definitely magic. Um, you can tell that this box has a lot of really strange properties to it, um, not the least of which is is that it has some, site, some kind of imprisonment spell on it, but it also has some properties that have to do with, um, uh, with catching... Uh, with holding other things. It can hold not just um, creatures, but it can hold some kind of quality. Um, and it's a, it's a type of magic you've never seen before. Um, uh, that kind of magic is only true for artifacts and, and um, really, really powerful magic items. I'll relay that to the group. Um, as you're inspecting the box, actually, Shush, um, the, the two of you, I imagine, are sort of standing around or looking around trying to, trying to get your bearings. Um, and all of a sudden, um, uh, as you, um, Thrain, are looking over at Grolo, uh, you can see that for some reason, um, Grolo's shadows don't look right. Um, he's got two shadows instead of one. And I... Attack the shadow. Attack one of the, the right shadow with, with my war axe. I don't even say anything to you. I just take my war axe and just go, Gah! What are you um, doing? So what you're saying is you want to attack the darkness? I attack the darkness <laughs> with my magic missile. Um, in, in case you don't get that joke, that is an old D&D skit uh, joke of, of I attack the darkness is, is an old D&D skit joke. I, it's one of the very first like internet 
viral videos. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was like one of those, um, uh, like the ridiculousness of what D and D really, really yeah, looks yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. Um, roll me an attack roll, and then everybody roll initiative. Initiative. Yep, an initiative is at the top of your sheet, and it sort of just determines uh, uh, the order in which everybody reacts. Uh, I rolled a nine, which I guess does not hit. A uh, nine does not oh. hit. My initiative is eleven. Five. Awesome. So, as you uh, swing your hammer, um, the shadow quickly moves out of the way, and it actually moves into Grolo's shadow, and then it sort of, I guess, gives up uh, the ruse, um, and you see the shadow sort of emerge from its two-dimensional form, um, and you can see a great winged um, uh, looking creature uh, come out from, from where the shadow is located, and it speaks to you in a deep and rumbling voice uh and it says you finally brought me away off the island and now that you're here i will have no problem dispatching you and taking your ship and you can see this figure i'm gonna show you guys a picture and then i'm gonna describe it for the podcast yeah Um, that's good it's a great winged demon demonic creature um with horns two horns sticking out of the top of its head and its wings are almost like bat wings or dragon wings uh, but with frayed pieces to it except that the whole creature seems to exist only in shadow um, and it sort of fades in and out of shadow as its form is in flux constantly with the shadows around it um, and it reaches out with two very uh, large clawed hands um, and you see um, uh, what looks to be probably the shape of the of the um, uh, large piercing object that was uh, used on both the shrines here and also on the on the young man uh, is it undead at all um uh it is technically a demon um so it's not an undead um it it is qualified as uh usually an outsider or a a fiend so one thing that happened to me is that this was happening like on my shadow which was like actually behind me Mm -hmm. so like i didn't actually see i haven't yet seen the creature but i'm turning right um and actually the creature is going to attack you um, so I'm going to write down this and then I'm going to write down your guys initiatives because I didn't write that down that's what the whiteboard's good for um, so what were all the initiatives? I had a 5 <laughs> okay. 11 17 oh wow um, uh, awesome um, the creature is going to go first and he's going to attack you uh, this is where uh, Dungeons and Dragons becomes a lot more sort of hit points and um, and attack rolls and numbers based, especially in combat. Uh, but sometimes that can still be a lot of fun. Uh, so the creature uh, reaches down and attacks you uh, with his uh, claws, and he's going to hit you, but not for very much. He he only barely hits you, um, so he hits you for four damage. I just take it. Yeah. Um, it's not really like so much a piercing strike this time. He, he sort of slashes at you, um, but the warning from frame was enough information uh, for you to move out of the way just a little bit. Um, and that makes it Chusha's turn. Um, well, what do I know about the shadow demons? Um, Shush, give me an arcana check. Um, and actually, uh, while you're at it, Thrain, you can roll me in a, a religion check. I got a seven. Oh, awesome. I got a modified 20. 
Um, so, Shush, you know that there are demons and there are devils. Um, the difference between them uh, is largely mistaken by a lot of people, but as a tiefling, you would know quite a, lo- quite a lot about this. Uh, devils are orderly. Devils are uh, follow rules. They're often evil, or at least they have a lot of... Um, uh, cruel intentions and things like that, but they follow a set of rules that that they will always follow. Um, demons, on the other hand, are chaotic um, and seek largely just destruction. Uh, Shush, you know that if this demon gets off this island and takes your ship, he will wreak more destruction than uh, than well, certainly than Shush would ever be comfortable with, um, but will likely kill many many people and and uh, uh, cause a lot more destruction than than you want to have. Ha- want to have happen way more than the pirates way way more than the pirates <laughs> so i know we need to kill this thing right uh yeah do i know any any of its like susceptibilities or anything unlike the pirates this thing can be affected by weapons um uh, you can hurt this thing um uh you do know i guess uh with that role you would also know um in the event that anybody can do what's called radiant damage um that it may hurt them a lot more um that's a paladin stuff. Thrain, you uh, you actually do know, even with a low roll like that, um, you do know a little bit. You would know a little bit about, about uh, demons. You mostly know that they come from the, the place called the Abyss, um, and it's uh, sort of an equivalent to hell, I guess. Um, it's uh, like one of, Utter one of the... Chaos. Yeah, sort of chaos and destruction. Um, it's a bad place. You don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, and you know that demons are, are largely pretty evil creatures. Um, I'll also share, just as, as a mechanical thing to, to make sure that you know, Kirk, um, your spell, uh, you have a couple of spells that do radiant damage. Oh, I do? Uh, which are uh, Sacred Flame, oh. uh, which is one of your cantrip spells, does radiant damage. And I believe you also have a Guided Bolt, or oh. uh, something like that, which I think also does radiant damage. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, but Shusha, it is your turn. What do you want to do? Um, I well, this thing clearly hangs out in the shadows, so I want to light some torches so there's less shadows. Okay, cool. Um, there are actually a bunch of very old but uh, torches that are left over from from the shrine. This is a place where people used to worship, so there are some torches that are. Then instead uh, of getting torches weathered. out, I will get out my violin again and I will thaumaturgy those torches to a light. Um, as as you play your violin, you hit a couple of uh, high pitched shrieking <laughs> notes that. <laughs> that that light torches around around the place. Um, at, at, at first, it does definitely seem to bother the the shadow demon, uh, but he uh, looks wicked and grins at you as you have now created a lot of opportunity for shadows for him to hide in. I feel like we're in a Spinal Tap video or something. <laughs> Stonehenge and and a violin rocking out. <laughs> It could, it, it could just be just as well be a, a Lindsay Sterling video. Um, uh, Thrain, that makes it your turn. Okay, I will guided, guiding bolt this. By Moradin's crossbow, you shall feel your pain now. <laughs> awesome. He's going to feel that pain. Uh, um, uh, shoot Moradin's crossbow at him with your guiding bolt. Give me an attack roll, and you're going to use your spell attack bonus, which is on your second sheet there. At the very top. It's the little plus plus bonus up there, yeah. 22. Um, Awesome. Um, You definitely hit the Shadow Demon. Now, uh, Guiding Bolt does quite a lot of damage. It does 4d6 damage. Whoa. Wow. What was that? 3, 5, (laughs) 10, uh, 14. 
14. And the Guiding Bolt seems extra effective against this thing. Uh, the the uh, Well, actually, I would love for you to describe what your Guiding Bolt looks like. It's a well-crafted geometric bolt with, uh, you know, lots of... Um, Dwarven light coming off of it. <laughs> it, it, it even and it and the the uh, you know the what do you call it the feathers in the back what do you call that the, the oh yeah uh, the the, the, the um, fletch fletching the fletching or whatever is uh, is um, beard hair from from a from Morden's <laughs> beard. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, the bolt pierces into the shadow demon. And you see like um, his his skin almost um, get torn apart by the light flash uh, as as it hits him. Uh, and you can see he's weakened a little bit um, as a result of it. Maybe a little a little slower. Maybe a little easier to hit for the next person who is uh, going to come and attack him. It definitely seems very effective against him. Grolo, uh, go. Punch now! Don't so, punch. Use your. So here's weapon. what happens. So as I finally turn and I'm and I just got hit, um, the hit definitely angers me. So I am going to pull a rage. All right. Yeah. But the, the second thing that happens as I'm pulling the rage is when I see the demon, it reminds me of a very traumatic childhood memory. All right. So initially, like I, I actually get kind of stopped. Like I'm even angry, but like. I get sort of shocked, hmm. so my my I, I don't I don't manage to pull off a, a rage yet. Actually, like I, I just I just attack, and it's like a mall attack. Hmm. But I'm a little startled by what I see. Okay, I love it. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two things. Um, I'm gonna have you roll your attack, um, and I'm gonna have it roll with disadvantage because of your being startled. Um, so disadvantage means you roll twice and take the lower of the two rolls. And six. Oh, six. Um, but it, do I it, add the anything? Uh, uh, so in your very center of your sheet, yeah. um, Adam can kind of point it to you. Um, there's a little plus bonus uh, next to your mall. The mall plus five. Um, so that's that's what you add. So you get an eleven. Eleven. So eleven's not enough to to um, hit this thing. Okay. Uh, but what I'm also going to give you is uh, I love that for role playing. Um, and you basically gave yourself a disadvantage, and uh, especially in our groups, that is. Um, most players want to want to play to like whatever the greatest mechanical advantage they can get, uh, but the really rich storytelling comes from playing with disadvantages and playing with uh, the the flaws that your character yeah, has. My, accepting my, your flaws. My thinking yeah. was that it was going to trigger something, so initially it was going to startle me, but then there was going to be an unprecedented rage that would well up because my childhood was so traumatic. Mm. Uh, but you found that that rage was actually hard to access. Well, it, it's like it's coming. Yeah. Uh, so it's right a, now, it's going like, to be a I'm rolling, startled, but I'm like a rolling, a rolling reaction. Yes, yes. So I'm going to give you uh, inspiration. Um, inspirations is a little uh, checkbox up above your uh, proficiency bonus. Yeah, I see that. Um, you can use that inspiration to give either yourself or somebody else to basically let them re-roll a d20 roll. Okay. Um, so at any time when you want to use that up, so you, I, I you, you, you now have that. Yeah, that, that stays there. And, and if you want to use that up right. as a sort of a resource you can okay. use uh, to help yourself out or, or someone else out. Um, uh, as you bring your maul down, uh, <sighs> the, the demon uh, takes uh, advantage of your hesitancy, and he reaches up with a clawed hand, and he stops your maul in its right. tracks. Uh, not a lot of creatures would be strong enough to stop Grolo's maul right. as it comes slamming down. Uh, and, and with that, um, he once again, has that sort of devilish or uh, demonic smirk, um, and he is going to deliver a blow to Grolo's stomach uh, with a curled fist. He's going to punch you. Okay. Um. Oh no! 
Grolo, you are stout enough that you just take it. Oh, okay. uh, the, he he punches you, um, and it's almost like a like a trade of like two strong men coming up against each other, um, where like he stops the thing, and then he like smirks like ha ha ha, I've got you, and he comes and he brings a blow to your stomach, and you just you just like flex your stomach, <laughs> um, and it's just like a moment of the two of you kind of grappling together, and he caves, uh, seeing that you are maybe a little stronger than he than he originally intended, uh, and he disappears into a shadow, um, and reappears next to. Shush. Um, and this time, he's not playing around. He wants to get off this island. He's going to attack Shush. And Shush, he rolled a natural 20, which means that he Bye is guys. going to do a whole lot of damage to you. Nice knowing you. Sing songs about me. Um, Shush, he is going to do uh, 17 damage to you. Oh, um, uh, Shush, he runs you through. Uh, Thrain, you recognize the blow as a very similar blow to uh, the kind that the young man took at the bottom of uh, by by the ship. As he as he runs through um, your sort of your side, um, uh, you move uh, out of the way just enough for him to hit, avoid hitting any like really major organs. But it is a difficult uh, difficult blow, and you can you can see kind of his fingers coming out of the. I have two hit points uh, left. Coming out of the rest of you, um, as as he pulls his hand back um, and. Uh, uh, and that makes it Shush's no, turn. No, Shush, the horny singer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shush, uh, Shush is still holding his violin, and he's going to play as the ship goes down. Um, and he's going to play uh, two songs. Um, one is he's, he's going to do Fairy Fire, mm-hmm. which will hopefully illuminate this shadow demon and give it some sort of disadvantage as it's a creature of shadow, and now it's slightly illuminated. So um, Fairy Fire puts a... F- Fiery aura around the the shadow. Right? Uh, you can describe it however you like, but fairy fire is almost like a dust uh, that sort of falls down. It's like a like a glitter dust that falls down onto everything in an area, and it'll kind of cover this shadowy demon and make him impossible for him to hide uh, because he'll be covered in this very shiny glittery dust. And my song sounds sort of like in Sonic Two when he runs out of air underwater. I'm about to die. And then I'm also. That still causes me anxiety. And then he's also going to play the song that, like, when he comes out of the water and he can finally breathe again. Yeah. As a bardic inspiration to inspire, let's see. I'm probably going to inspire Grolo. So, Bardic Inspiration is a is a is a, 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 unfortunately named because it is the same name as the other Inspiration. Um, but uh, Bardic Inspiration is a little different. I'm going to give you this token here, and and you can trade that in at, with one of your D20 rolls in order to get an extra D6 bonus, which you just get to add on to the top of it. So you got okay. a lot of like bonuses you can now kind okay. of play around with. Um, uh, awesome! That, that, that is great. You, you uh, inspire him. The demon as he gets covered. Oh, what does your glitter dust look like? Uh, it's definitely rainbow sparkles. Or your fairy fire, I meant. Uh, <laughs> rainbow sparkles. He is covered rainbow in rainbow sparkles. sparkles. Um, uh, as the demon becomes covered in rainbow sparkles, he knows that's really bad for him. Uh, and he looks down at himself and he tries to sort of wipe it off. But, you know, it's glitter. You guys can't, you can't get glitter <laughs> that easily. Um, and so he, uh, he uh, is now restricted. He can't disappear into shadow anymore. Um, and that's pretty much his big trick. Uh, so he looks angrily at you and goes for another blow. But before he gets a chance to, it is Thrain's turn. Uh, can I do preserve life to heal him? Um, so I think pres- I can't remember what preserve preserve life does. This is why I have an app on my phone to look. Well, it up. is, but I I already use turn undead, so I don't know if I can. Oh, that's your uh, that's your um, channel divinity. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. You can totally okay. you can totally do that. Uh, Mora. 
Moradin, save our new friend, the horny singer. Give him life so that he may help us in this moment of need. Uh, perfect. How much do you want to heal him for? Because you get 15. to choose... 15. Uh, um, uh, what does it look like as, as Moradin provides this healing for Shush? Uh, it is radiant light and gems and... Um, yeah, we'll say that. Gems, sparkly gems and light sort of like <laughs> flowing out of the earth. Nice. Shush, your, your wound kind of closes up and, and it stops bleeding so much and you're feeling quite a bit better than you, than you were there's before. There's like rainbow sparkles and now there's... This like, is a bright... Just given the middle of the night. This is a bright, 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 bright kind of thing. Ting, 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 Like Sonic getting all the rings. Yeah. Also, awesome. Do you... Grolo, that makes it your turn. What would you like to do? So at this point... Uh, my shock has worn off, and the punch to the gut really sealed the deal. So I something wells up from within me, and now the full rage of Grolo is about to descend upon this creature. Uh, so I'm going to do a rage, which is uh, bonus action in your turn. Uh, advantage oh, on yeah. strength. Do you know all about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah but it's, okay. good. it's good for the listeners. To, all right. To... So rage gives the following benefits. You have advantage on strength checks. On strength saving throws, when you make a melee weapon attack using strength, you gain a plus two bonus to the damage roll. Nice. And then you have this resistance to bludgeoning and a whole bunch of other stuff. Awesome. All right. Uh, so this little token you gave me is uh, – remind me what this is for. So that, that one's going to be for if you, if you roll a d20 roll and you don't quite have enough, uh, you can turn that in to get an extra um, d6 it. that you roll on top of that. Okay. And that was from Shush. That was and the then I have an inspiration Shush. that I can use for myself or someone else. Correct. Okay. And that, that lets you roll, re-roll a, a d20 roll. What, um, what does girl say or look like as he brings them all down? So first of all, my eyes get bloodlusted. Yeah. And then – I just like my expression changes and everything. It's just like you've never seen so many wrinkles on Grolo's face. <laughs> and like they're all angled downward. Like you've never seen a frown like this either. And like and it's like a steam train running at this creature. And I am about to maul. And so I grab this guy. Is a maul like a giant club? It's like a sledgehammer essentially. Yeah. It's like, Okay, I rolled a 12. What do I do with that? And you add you your add mall your, bonus. I think it's like a 5. Plus 5, 17. Okay, that definitely hits. Okay. Um, so now you're going to roll me damage, which for the mall is... 2d6 times 3. 2d6 uh, plus 3. Plus 3 damage. <laughs> oh, plus yeah. 3. Sorry. And then uh, so plus 2 because of your rage. And then plus 2, an extra 2 because of your rage. Okay. So there's a Whoa. 6. And... There's a 5, so that's an 11, plus 3, so that's 14, plus 2, 16. That is a, a brutal blow that you delivered to this guy. Oh, I almost forgot. Um, you had advantage to your attack because of the of the uh, both the, both the fairy fire and the other thing. So give me another roll just in case you roll a, a 20 or something on the d20 roll there. Because if you can roll a crit, you're going to do a whole lot more damage. <laughs> okay. That's so close to it. <laughs> um, 2 is right next to it. But, but you definitely, you come in... And you just 
like deliver a, a, a really devastating blow to to okay. uh, this creature. Um, and as you uh, smash with your with your hammer, uh, the creature's, uh, if anything, starting to look a little a little scared and a little worried. Um, the three of you ha- are are getting the better of it, and it was not expecting. It was expecting to dispatch you and leave on your ship. Uh, and the creature uh, says, um, turns to you, and, and it says. Um, no, don't destroy me. I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal, you know, like a deal with a devil. Can I use my inspiration? Yeah. What do you want to use it for? Because I'm like, I don't deal, but Thrain, like, go! Well, hold on. We might be able to restore Elune's temple if, if, if we listen for a second, but wait okay. with your maul. Oh, mighty Grolo. Yeah, okay. And wait with your mighty violin to inspire mighty, mighty Grolo. Uh, what, is, what do you propose, you demon? Uh, let me leave this place, and I shall leave you alive. Uh, and it's looking a little worried. <laughs> uh, I think it knows that it's not that, that's not a great offer. I also know that demons... Don't make deals. Um, Shush, you know very well that demons. demons don't make deals. Demons, unlike devils, are not to be trusted. Demons a devil are. might make a deal with you, and they might sign a contract, and they might be beholden to that contract. A demon would never uphold his But I words. don't know that for sure. You don't know that, but Shush does. Uh, Shush, how would you maybe communicate um, that? I him? am going to sort of circle behind the shadow demon while like, looking like I'm agreeing, and then I'm going to go like... With a, you know, like a, a, a no, not a good deal. My hand, I mean, hand over my neck. Like, what like, is wrong with your throat? <laughs> Soul throat. Um, but I, I, I want to, I, um, I want to signal, maybe like a perform check or something to sort of uh, let them know that, and maybe to lie to the, to simultaneously lie to the shadow demon to make it look like I'm agreeing, while also circling back around so that we can ambush this thing. Awesome. Roll me a deception. Actually, make it a perform. I like perform. His liability is me. Yeah, I don't you do subtle. You might give this away. Uh, performance is higher. That's why I was perfect. Advocating for that. That's a twenty-four. Uh, awesome, Grolo. Um, it's such a good performance. Uh, <laughs> he, you, you do say that exactly what you said, um, and Shush says that he has a sore throat. Um, and then your performance is like that you're massaging your throat, so Grolo thinks that you actually have a sore ah. throat. Um, but uh, but it's good enough that you split the difference between Grolo and Thrain, uh, and Thrain gets a gets a good idea for what exactly it is that you're trying to say, even though Grolo just thinks that you're you're <laughs> giving giving off kind of a sore throat uh, uh, kind of motion. Okay. Uh, so I get ready t- to attack it. I guess uh, should can I go? Uh, yeah, yeah. You can. You can totally. You're, okay. you're sort of. You sort of like pause the combat for a moment as okay. as he's like hoping to entice you with this thing. Uh, he even offers like I could give you great power, great boons, um, and and he's sort of offering out his hand, and you can see like a, like a glow of energy in the in the palm of his hand. Okay, I uh, I say. By Morden's beard, you will be blind. Uh, awesome. What are you gonna? What do you? What do you want to cast there? Blindness. Uh, you're gonna cast blindness. Yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, he is a, a shadow demon. Um, so 
do they so get... he gets so the way it works for for this is he's going to roll a check against your yeah. against your thing and he fails his check okay so uh you he, you have succeeded in blinding him uh and he goes no morden's light uh and you can see like the the light flash out his his eyes um and uh he can no longer see um and then you guys get an opportunity to to lay in one extra uh solid attack now that he's blind uh, both of you roll me attacks with advantage attacks with advantage so that means I, I can roll twice and take the higher of those two rolls. Ooh, it's a better one. Yeah! That 20. is a natural 20. Oh, natural 20. <laughs> so a natural 20 means that you critically hit. That means that you're going to do a whole lot of extra damage. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maul's uh, probably times two, yeah? I got a modified 21. Uh, awesome. You guys both hit. Uh, so here's, here's how we're going to do that. You're going to roll your damage like normal. Uh, so the two. Oh wait, this was a mall. We do a we do a custom critical hit rule for our for our groups uh, to add a little extra oomph uh, to that four to that critical hit. Plus three is seven. Plus two. So you do seven. Plus you plus do two. also ma- oh, plus Nine. two. Um, plus you do maximum damage on top of that. So your maximum damage is 12. 12 plus So you do five. 9 plus... 21. Uh, plus uh, 12, which is 21 damage with, yeah. that, with that blow. Um, and then, Shush, you can go ahead and roll your, your damage as well for your, for your attack. 10. Uh, 10. Between the two of you, that is enough to take out this... Uh, this thing. Yeah. Um, give me, give me just a real quick description of your, your sort of like a cooperative blow that you do here in the, in like a narrative way. Okay. So like what happened was, so I, I'm, I'm observing what's happening and I'm sort of confused cause, uh, I'm very, very, very smart. I'm, I'm like a smart person and I see that there's some throat issue happening with shush and that's confusing me. But then I'm not dealing with no demon. So I, I, I'm, like, trying to just get ready to, like, just pound. But then Thrain is, like, hold on. But then I see Thrain blind the demon, at which point I take that as my go-ahead. So I leap up in the air, and I grab my, my maul with both hands, and I'm coming down with it on its head as... Shush spears right through the middle with his rapier. Comes up the other side. <laughs> um, the demon, as it is entirely made of shadow, uh, sort of screams and it says no. And then you 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 see the the shadow sort of rip and rip apart and dissipate. And you see a ring come upon the ground uh, as as a purple energy kind of pulls up and grabs onto the demon. And you can see it reaching out and it says so much destruction that I have yet to rot. Um, and the the uh, tentacles and the, the sort of arms pulling up from the ground of this circle uh, grab onto the demon and yank him down into Ooh. the ground as he is banished once again to the abyss um, now that you have uh, delivered those final blows. Wow. Good teamwork, um, boys. Sick. The, the three of you sort of catch your breath and recover from, from this whole experience, and you take this interesting box with you um, back to the town of uh, Torax um, and you collect your reward as well as running into the ghost goblin or the ghost uh, oh you don't pirate. run into the ghost pirates uh, as it turns out um, once you fix once you destroy this demon uh, the shrine of Alun, though it is damaged uh, is um, no longer cursed as there's no longer a demon uh. in its presence um, and as soon as the demon uh, sinks into the ground you see the moon once again sort of shine in the sky um, and the whole area becomes illuminated with a with a beautiful full moon um, and and the 
ghost pirates are nowhere to be seen mm. as you sail your way back to the town of Torax. Um, and that is where we will end our game. Yeah. And, I, and I say, boys, do you know that I have relentless endurance? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. It is. It is relentless. <laughs> yeah. Epic. Perfect. So that's that is uh, an example of Dungeons and Dragons. I, I guess. think we yeah. need to do a spin-off podcast where we just play and record. It's yeah. just us playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would like totally do that. Yeah, <laughs> so people yeah. would listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the um, uh, there's a comedy podcast. It's uh, I call it. Oh, it's my brother, my brother and brother and me. My bim bam, my yeah. brother, my brother and me. Yeah. yeah, and they did a spinoff podcast where they played D anD D. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I've listened to all of it. I'm actually a big fan. Yeah, me too. Uh, of the Adventure Zone, and this could, yeah, Adventure Zone, right? And you know, this kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Did you have your listen to that podcast? I've not listened to the Adventure yeah. Zone. Yeah, no. uh, they did it as like they were just going to do it like maybe three, three podcasts or five or something. And it became so popular that, um, like, they extended it into like fifty different uh, podcasts, and, awesome. and now they have like uh, like a hundred episodes or something like that. It's yeah, a, it's a tremendous number. That one has been recommended to me a lot. I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons professionally now, so I have a really hard time doing it as a hobby, right? <laughs> or, or, or listen listening to it, especially. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. I like to play yeah. it as a hobby, but like, as yeah. far as like, yeah. I, I like think about it a lot yeah. Yeah. already. Like, I don't want. I don't want to think about seat. it in my in my drive on yeah, the way yeah. to work. So. <laughs> yeah. It's like when I tried to watch In Treatment, the TV show about therapy. Mm-hmm. I just I got like ten too, minutes too in, soon, and close. I'm just like, yeah. this is like I'm. It's like I'm at work. I've heard yeah, that. That's 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 I, don't, awful. I don't really want to watch this. You yeah. know, one of the genius things from uh, what was it, Geiger? Who, who was it? The Gygax. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Geiger counter. Torax. Torax counter. Uh, was the die yeah. right? Like because, like I remember as a kid seeing these little dice and like all the shapes, and it just seemed magical already, yeah. right? You're like, whoa! And what does the triangle do? And it, it just felt like you were literally dealing with with like magical trinkets from some other world. There, there's so much fun, and there's so much fun to 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 have and to and to look at and collect. But the 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 act of rolling a dice. We, I've actually played a f- quite a few games like online over video chats and stuff like that. Um, and what I've discovered is, you know, I can I can make a computer program roll, roll dice, and it just takes a, a huge blow of the fun out of oh, the yeah. experience. Being able to like physically roll the die on the right? table is, is just yeah. so much fun. Like, have you played Monopoly, the computer version? Oh yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, if you don't play with real die, like and, uh, dice and the bills and the stuff, it mm-hmm. loses a ton. You yeah. can actually turn on autoplay on Monopoly on the computer game, at least back in like the Windows uh-huh. in the '90s, and it was just about as much fun to watch somebody else to play Monopoly as it is to play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the same experience. Like, oh, look at that! There oh, people, are, I, I can picture people like coming to hate each other. <laughs> look at this. Yeah, I mean, the magic of Gygax and of D&D runs deep in me. I mean, it was fifth, sixth grade when I was first exposed to it and started playing. And it was just transformative to my to my life. And when I hold a 20-sided die, it you know, on my desk at Antioch, I have a 20-sided die mm-hmm. that, that Aaron gave to me, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that's uh, that's and a big it, part of what we do, why we do it, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. such a special. When I see the books and when I see the modules, and it's just such a such a wonderful feeling. So, listeners out there, I'm wondering if you're interested in hearing 
us drag the atoms back to for to <laughs> to make them work even into the evening <laughs> uh, to to play more Dungeons Dragons or. We could play. We could yeah. get like another couple people and uh, play Dungeons and Dragons and and have fun. And for people who don't want to listen to us play Dungeons and Dragons, they could just not listen to those episodes, right? Because it's yeah, it's yeah, pretty obvious that's, that's that yeah, sure. Um, there's one last, um, I guess, kind of plug that I want to make sure to to talk about on the on the podcast a little yeah, bit. Yeah, plug um, away, plug as much as you want. Uh, Game to Grow, so Game to Grow is a nonprofit, and and the mission is really oriented at using games of all kinds for uh, therapeutic, educational, and community uh, growth and change. Uh, but we're actually involved in a, a really big project called Critical Core right now, um, and Critical Core is going to be a, like a self-contained kit uh, that will help introduce Dungeons and Dragons into uh, the homes of people who've never played. For um, and is specifically oriented at um, uh, helping with challenges related to autism and and kind of really related to the the type of work that we do building social mm. skills because we see uh, upwards of forty kids every week in the greater Seattle area and that's well that's awesome and we're expanding right now to serve more kids in this area we're wanting to take what we do and take it out farther than we can just do in the Seattle area and so that looks like training but it also looks like manuals and kits and modules. Right. And because the the way that we design our adventures is very specifically targeted towards our kids, which is a very challenging thing to teach. So the Critical Core Kit is a distillation of our method and our model into something that therapists can play with their clients and wow. parents can play with their kids and community centers can play. I have this vision that a Critical Core can be something in libraries to bring kids after school. Maybe if they don't have a parent that can observe them, to supervise them, they can go to community centers and play a role-playing game to really help kids um, do a community a community activity right. where they can build some friends, build some social skills in a, in a supportive environment to maybe keep some kids out of trouble, but also help them build some social skills and give them a really important hobby that they can then take with them towards uh, high school, college, the future. Wow. And it's awesome. easier than Dungeons & Dragons, correct? It's, it's going to be sort of a stripped-down rule set. So it yeah. will be um, a great opportunity for younger kids to be able to, to get into the hobby. Dungeons & Dragons has a lot of rules and yeah. a lot of sort of pieces and to a it. way for therapists who don't know how to play or run a game it's, it's a lot easier for them as well right um it'll also contain a module that will um have puzzles and pieces uh sort of uh some of the things that we did here uh that help work and address very specific issues. So it will give you like a little bit of a rundown or a little bit of a framework to be able to start conceptualizing in your own way. Uh, when I'm doing this ghost pirate thing right here, what am I, what skills am I working on or what skills am I helping to promote through, through that experience? So it'll also give you a little bit of a framework for understanding. Yeah. When I'm talking to therapists, uh, a lot of their questions or many of their questions have to do with wanting tools like this. You know, it's like, I have this kid, what do I do? And having a a thing like Critical Core and maybe with additional little bit of training uh, then uh, and the kid loves to do it. Right. It's not like the ungame or Uno, which, you know, can be OK, but a game that they really take to uh, can be a, a, a huge help to therapists out there and teachers and other people. It's an opportunity where uh, we see the kids in our group uh, wanting to come back week after week. They want to be there. Um, for some of them, this we, we hear from parents that this is the only activity that they want to leave the house for. Um, and uh, it's an and it's super social. And, and it's super social. And it's, super, it's, it's super uh, 
good uh, for risk, them and yeah, yeah good yeah. for them and risky and like growth enhancing and absolutely and and uh the the kids who come into the group get it get this great opportunity to be able to build such amazing skills through throughout that experience while all also having fun at the same time and like i said earlier there's a lot of our players a lot of people who are drawn to our groups are socially isolated and we had have had players after a break um, we take breaks between quarters and we take breaks for school holidays and things like that. And he came back and he said, man, this is like my family. Oh, like, this wow. is like my second home being with you guys. And so I missed you guys. Wow. And then we, we, because we sort of align with the school system, um, we take a break for the summer where we change up our programming. Right now we have a summer camp and some of our teenagers don't come to summer camp. Um, so they take the summer off and, and, I was really touched because the end of our spring session, these kids who came to us very socially isolated, they mm-hmm. they turned to each other at the end of the session, our final session for spring, and they said, I'm going to miss you, man. And then they hugged. Oh. And these are teenage boys, socially isolated teenage boys, like right. giving each other a non-ironic hug. It was right. like a, a really touching moment where they, this this had meant something to them. They were going to miss right. – the, the, having the two months off was going to mean something. So instead of being on 4chan and selling away about how they hate everything, <laughs> that's awesome. This, right. this is, a, this is a, better, a better place to be accepting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're out there and you're a therapist or a parent or a kid or someone who's just interested or a librarian or a teacher or someone who goes to a community center, YMCA, a camp counselor or something or you know just – any of those things, and or you're just interested in this sort of thing, we want you to sign up for the mailing list because then you'll not only get our news in perpetuity because the the nonprofit is growing as we speak. We're hiring two new facilitators. Things things are are going to be big. We're getting we're getting grants from from places. People are excited about it. Uh, we have interest from the makers of Dungeons and Dragons and and other kinds of people, and so there's going to be a lot of exciting things happen happening, and specifically for Critical Core when it comes out, because it's not out yet mm-hmm. as of this date, which is August of 2018. Uh, over the mailing list, they'll be able to get that announcement. Absolutely, it's actually going to be kickstarted. Mm. So, nice. so we're we're going to Kickstarter because we have a firm belief that this is an amazing concept and an amazing product. It's going to be, yeah. and the best way to get it out there because we are a small nonprofit. The best way to get it out there to the most people is through Kickstarter, where people can provide That's us smart. that financial support that we need to create this to get it out there. So, our Kickstarter is going to be how we get Critical Core out there into the world. So, if you want to know about this and support this, even if you are not a parent, a therapist, a librarian community organizer, et cetera, and you want to see this project get out into the world, please spread the word. Our website is criticalcore.org for the Critical Core project, and gametogrow.org is our website. You can follow us on Twitter at at gametogrow or uh, Critical Core on Twitter at at criticalcorerpg. But my encouragement is that if even if you don't want to, to own one of these kits, spread the word, and we'll be able to accept your donations to get those kits out into the community for, awesome. so other people can benefit. So yeah. – Specifically, you can sign up for the mailing list by doing what, Adam? Um, you can sign up for the mailing list by going to criticalcore.org. Right now, there's a there's a log a, a section right at the top there where you can uh, put in your um, uh, email and you can sign up for the mailing list right there. Um, also, a lot of that news is going to be going through gametogrow.org, and gametogrow also has a mailing list. So, if you go to gametogrow.org and you click on newsletter, uh, you can also find the mailing list there. And you can go to gametogrow.org and donate as well. Just 
just purely donate, which would be really great. Those donations help us continue to run groups. They help us uh, be able – we offer uh, – pretty much we never turn anybody away. So uh, we want to make sure to continue to offer services that allow um, people with uh, more difficult financial positions to be able to come to to our groups and and attend our services. And those donations help that that to keep happening. Yeah. And just some other plugs. Tomorrow is our live show at Antioch University. This is posting tomorrow, so it's tomorrow. <laughs> uh, August 11, 2018 at 3 o'clock. And Adam and Adam will be there, and we'll do a little 5 to 10-minute uh, role play t- uh, for the live show. What's the live show for? It's for our 10-year anniversary. 10? That's a decade. That's, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> 10 years yeah. is, a, is a crazy long Is there a 10-sided diary? There is, there there is, is a 10-sided diary. There are several, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, if you're interested in seeing um, me give a talk on how to use social media to enhance your therapy practice and or uh, see Adam and Adam in person giving a keynote presentation about Game to Grow and all the things we've talked about today, you can go to the Washington Association of Marriage and Family Therapy Conference, which is in late September. And uh, it's an all-day conference for that has trainings and other kinds of networking opportunities for uh, marriage and family therapists and anyone else who, who wants to join us. Uh, uh, Adam and Adam are giving the keynote talk, which is amazing. It's, it's really great. Can I give a talk about what it was like to grow up half orc? You could, as long as you show your moon with the half. (laughs) You have to provide proof. I see your true orcish color. One's like super hairy and warty. (laughs) That's the human side. (laughs) All right, anything left to plug? No, we are really. also going to be at the Pierce County Counselors Association in November. Oh, yeah. And oh. I guess if you uh, happen to be at the Penny Arcade Expo, uh, we're going to have a table <gasps> and several talks at the Penny Arcade Expo. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Come and at PAX. That's true. We have two talks at PAX. One is about playing games with kids where we're going to sort of give some of our tips and tricks about how to modify nice. the game and make it more acceptable to young kids because a lot of parents, uh, people right around our age or a little bit older now have kids they're trying to teach role-playing games to. Mm. So we're going to some, share some of that and we've got Ethan Schoonover of the Lake Washington School for Girls is going to be on that panel with us talking about how he modifies the games and makes it welcoming for small younger people um, awesome. and then we have another panel uh, called the Therapeutic Game Master Roundtable where we're going to be sharing a lot of this similar sorts of concepts with some Can I show up and like masters. heckle you guys? Yeah we would love that. <laughs> you can show that up great. and if you heckle we might have you escorted out. Yeah. <laughs> That's the but part I we would you love. Play, you, you are escorted out as Grola. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Very inky. Well, it'll be a whole like. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> when is PAX again? Uh, I, I believe PAX is the first uh, sort of weekend in September. I think it's like August 31st, uh, September 1st. It's that September holiday 2nd, weekend at the beginning of September. The, okay. Uh, September 2018. Oh, yeah. So it's like a month Labor from now. Yeah. Labor Day, Labor Day. Yeah. yeah. Labor Day. Um, yeah, and one of the nice things about being on the board for Game to Grow is I often get a free PAX ticket for, nice. for the whole weekend, so we'll see if that can happen again this time. Perks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ab and Adam. Thanks yeah. for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. It was and awesome. I had a really great time. I know. Isn't it fun? It's super Lightning fun. bolt. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone, thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. 